ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, oh. coming at you with another. That's my, that's my big E. <laughs> my voice. Don't you dare! <laughs> my voice isn't as deep. <laughs> Clap big for our multiverse and feel the power. New episode, yes it is. <laughs> It's a big episode, Bam. one I've been waiting for for a long time. Top episode 38. Top 10 running backs of all time. Yes, sir. You're going to hear me talk a lot. And yeah. So, but NFL Draft is going on still right now. We got to talk about Currently. that. Oh, lots to talk about, lots to get into. So let's just start talking about the draft. Welcome, everybody. Damon here. Jalen over here. Yes. So... What what stood out so far? We got the 49ers. Division rivals, their third pick. What? Unfortunately, they did not take Mac Jones. Last Cooler week, heads prevailed. Last week we said, you know, everybody was saying Mac Jones, and, and we we said they would pick him just because that's what everybody was saying. But we also said we wanted them to do that because we did not want them to draft who they should draft, which is Trey Lance, and that's what they did so yep it didn't make sense to me for them to to take mac jones and it didn't make sense to them either and so yeah i mean it's a great pick for them i i think but i hate it because it's yes. the 49ers but it also affected where some other quarterbacks went mm -hmm. so that mac jones guy he fell a little bit down to the new england patriots pick so they snatched him up and they're gonna groom him to be their next guy. Which is good for them. Like, so I didn't hate Mac Jones. I just felt no. like he's not a big upgrade over Garoppolo, which isn't a bad thing. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo's an awful quarterback. He's really only had one true year and he was fine. He I don't think some people are like the jury's out. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that totally. But if he can't stay healthy, then you're not then, really yeah. going to get a chance. So if Mac Jones is healthy, Jimmy, I mean, Belichick wanted Garoppolo as the quarterback in New England. And so them drafting Mac Jones makes total sense to me. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, that's a good pick for them. I just thought for the 49ers, it was a dumb pick, but not a dumb pick for the Patriots, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So they did good. And that's just that's good for Mac Jones, too. That's just a good Well, yeah, and I mean, yeah, he's going to probably start as the backup depending on how long before they get tired of cam not throwing touchdown passes i mean he brings a whole different element so it depends on you know what they're going to do offensively what they feel like they can do and and how advanced he is because you know everybody said he was the most ready nfl ready quarterback and yeah so maybe he does start from day one that'd be crazy to see it's not that I'm a huge Cam fan, but it'd still be crazy to see him lose the job to Mac Jones, wouldn't it? That'd be that'd be something to see. I'm looking out for that though. That'd and then be... you just wonder how many people think you know he's getting a raw deal. I'm like, eh. I mean, he didn't really do very good last year. Let's really be honest here. So he had a shot to prove everybody wrong. And he didn't really do that. No. <laughs> so if he loses a job, should we be shocked? Like, I don't think so. But then Justin Fields, mm -hmm. he got drafted a few picks before Mac Jones by the Bears. And 
this one I'm very intrigued by because, you know, when Chicago had a quarter, have a quarterback. You know, really- last time Chicago traded out to pick a quarterback, you know, it didn't go so well. So Bears <laughs> fans probably started having flashbacks. They don't take Mahomes. They don't take Watson. Now, obviously, now nobody's Whatever. Really caring about Watson. But you know what I mean. <laughs> At the time. And now, you like you said, they trade up and they got to be nervous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But they get fields, and I think, I would think most Bear fans are pretty happy about this. Yes. And, you know, we talked about him potentially falling, and, I mean, I guess in a way he did. A lot of people were like, oh, the first four or five picks are all going to be, you know, quarterbacks. Where'd he go? Was uh, What number? Was 11. He? 11. So, yeah, I mean, he fell out of the top 10. Nobody fell really bad. Even Mac Jones, people were like, oh, he's alone on the couch. I'm like, he was, what, the 15th pick? Yeah. Like, he didn't really fall that far. When there's five quarterbacks within the top 15, I mean, you didn't really fall. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they're, they fell in good places. The Bears are a solid team. They just need a better quarterback play. They got, they've got pieces already so i think Good for i'm sure Allen robinson's happy as heck <laughs> right well i mean you know how happy are you when you're getting a rookie quarterback when you're a wide receiver i don't know yeah but you're still i mean you got to be happier than having trubisky right mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the other team that stood out and it's just because of what they've been doing lately was what the Chiefs did with their second round pick when they grabbed Creed Humphrey. So Seahawks, man, you know, we need offensive line help too, but we also need receivers. So just a few picks before, you know, we took Dwayne Eskridge and I'm, I'm happy with it. I like it. I've said we needed a receiver. He's fast. He's going to help on special teams. This new offense with guys being in motion so much, you got him. That's a good gadget guy. And Lockett in motion, and you got to worry about them. The speed at receiver is ridiculous. Lockett's the the slowest of the three. Lockett is the old (laughs) slow guy in our receiving group. That's crazy. So so I'm not mad about that. But I'm literally looking at, and I I was thinking, oh, they could have took Humphrey there if they wanted to, like right before they picked. Then a couple picks later, the Chiefs take them. And then when you think of what they've done this offseason with their line, and then they take, you know, the top center, second, number two center in the draft. I I can't remember if he was the number one or number two. But one of the top centers in the draft. You're just like, dang, they're not playing around keeping keeping Mahomes safe. And we were already saying they weren't playing around, and then they did that. So they gave up the haul for Orlando Brown not too long ago. Then they're just... They double down and then they triple down and then they quadruple down on well, the projection for Mahomes. They, they got a linebacker, I believe, and I don't remember who it is. I'm sorry. They, they drafted a linebacker also, and they were just talking about how. Was it Barron? Did they get Barron? No. Ah. I don't no, remember. no, no. Dang it. Look up the Chiefs thing right now. Um, but, anyways, they were just talking about how. You know, Jones and Reed are going to be taking up so many blocks, and this guy's going to run free. And why is his name escaping me? It's really making me mad. Just go to the Chiefs draft. But uh, anyway, I thought I could just click on the team, but it wouldn't let me. I thought that they've done a really good job, and other teams have done a great job too. I mean, Jacksonville's been doing good. And you know, hey, you should be doing good if you don't screw up. I've seen a lot of mixed emotions about their other first round pick. Yeah, but 
again, that's what I'm saying. Like you can, you can mess it up, but I don't think they've messed it up. I'm maybe they haven't knocked everything out of the park. Bolton. That's it. Nick Bolton was the linebacker of the Chiefs. Selected. Started with the B. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they were talking about how he's just gonna has a good chance of just being a linebacker that, you know, when the line's taking up blocks and you're running free, that's everything for a linebacker. It's great yeah. when you can. It's great when you can shed blocks, but when you don't even have to worry about that and you can run free. So they've helped their defense, and, and they've they've helped their offensive line. I mean, that's just crazy. And they just picked a receiver. Yeah, and they've gone to -to (laughs) back-to-back Super Bowl. So it's like, as long as they're not injured, they don't have any major injuries. Like, honestly, like, who's beating them in the AFC? I don't know. You know, like, in the NFC, even in, like, in our division alone, it's like, it's almost a crapshoot at this point. How do the 49ers go... to now kind of being considered the worst team. I'm not saying they are the worst team, but when you like look at it and you look at quarterback, like that's really what you're going to look at when you look at the teams, right? And you're like, okay, well, they got Garoppolo and they have Lance, but you don't, he's still like a guy you expect to sit a year mm-hmm. or at least most of the year. So then you're like, okay, they got Garoppolo. And then, you know, then you got, we got Russ, obviously you got Kyler Murray and you got Stafford, who I'm not huge on, but still you got that, that defense and just, everything that they have there but what i'm saying is the 49ers are like probably looked at as the worst team (laughs) in in the division and even that and that's just crazy because any one of them could make the super bowl yeah and one or two of them ain't even making the playoffs so it's gonna be a crazy tough division and you and like i said that's just then you got the Buccaneers. I mean, the NFC is wide open, but to, to me, Buccaneers fans will be like, no. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> this is ours. But anyway, any any other picks or teams you wanted to just kind of mention? Um, Bengals, what are you doing? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Protect Joe Burrow, man. Uh, I couldn't believe I'm, I mentioned it, but I was like, they're not gonna. No, you're like they're taking. Like uh, I, even if the reports are true, they're gonna be Sewell. like, yeah, but I mean, still, Burrow. And then they drafted Chase, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Chase is great. It's nothing against him, but your quarterback literally got knocked out for the season, and you're not going to make sure that you get a guard in there to keep that. You know, and I, I guess the argument is taking a guard that high but well you just take so well because he's a tackle yeah but i thought they were talking about him playing guard i thought that was the reasoning behind it when i don't know when they didn't pick him and someone else picked him i thought that that's what they were talking about that that he was gonna get moved to guard maybe i heard wrong so i don't know but anyways either way you could protect a guy and you don't you know like we're just talking about the chiefs they're not playing that game anymore Seattle, you know, the jury's still out. We got to see. I know the fact that we say the jury's still out just kind of shows though, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like, let's hope that Gabe Jackson is just so good. And then, you know, Lewis and his, his improvement is so good. And, and then, you know, Posich 
and just the unit improves as a whole because they playing together and Postich is in second year as a center, not second year in the league, obviously, but second year playing that position. Maybe, maybe they're not wrong. But yeah, you wanted it to do more than they did. And same with the Bengals. I'm sure their fans are like, this is exciting. We got this weapon, but but Burrow is not going to have legs by the end of the season. I know. Take care of them. Man, you should just wear knee braces all year long. Yes. All the year entire long. time. That's what the Bengals fans, they should just immediately start, you know, buying. I'm going to say, like, the knee braces. fans that buying gifts for Trevor Lawrence for his wedding, just start, you know, send him some knee braces. <laughs> send Get him enough knee to, like, braces. so he can, like, have a choice, like, every week. You know, exactly. make it fun. Different kinds, you know. Maybe he doesn't like this one. Make so custom, tries. you know, some like your your Bengals like stripes <laughs> on them or whatever. There you go. <laughs> I like you it. can I make like it work. It. Yeah, get on that Bengals. But yeah, I, I I'm sorry, Joe Burrow. Yeah. Although if the report was true, then I'm not sorry because that's kind of your fault. Yeah. If if you know he just wanted him really really bad, which you know you know him. I mean, I do get that. Because who did it right after? We were just talking about this. What team also drafted a, cor- uh, a receiver who played with the quarterback? Dolphins right after. Yeah. And so it's like, it is cool. Yeah, because they got Waddle. Yeah, and we were like, why didn't they just take Devontae Smith? Yeah. I thought Smith going to the Eagles, that's big for the Eagles. That's a that great was a, pick. That was a good pick. Because I thought that, you know, we talked about that before. Like, what a perfect fit. He was perfect fit for the Dolphins. He was a perfect fit for the Lions with Goff. And of course, you know, I mean, he's a really a perfect fit anywhere he goes. But for their team needs and for for those quarterbacks, like I especially thought having a guy like him for those quarterbacks, that's why it was such a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. So it was weird to see the, you know, the Dolphins take Waddle. But just like you said, I mean, maybe they asked Tua and he was like, I want I want Waddle. <laughs> you know and so hey whatever but yeah it was weird that chase or that burrow did that like you should be thinking about your 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 line you ain't gonna be able to throw to that guy if you ain't got no knees i know all right any more draft talk i mean the seahawks i like what they did they they oh yeah three we, didn't, we didn't even go into yeah. we didn't even say anything about the seahawks well we talked about we, yeah we just kind of so. said we liked it or anything they made a trade got an extra pick and they got a corner they drafted yeah. trey brown i like everything i've seen from them from him uh i like that he and estridge have you know kick return ability and i mean and they're both just fast mm-hmm. and so team speed you're helping you filled needs like we said Wide receiver, corner, offensive line. I don't know Brown. what ESPN is doing on their thing. Oh. Like, if no, you're Ma- a fan out there, yeah, Mel Kuyper and his team needs, and the first thing says tight end, and I'm like, what are you talking about? We don't have a need at tight end. Not not any kind of desperate need. You, We can literally get an undrafted uh, rookie free agent tight end or just a tight end off the street. We have three legitimate tight ends like what what are you guys talking about i mean half yeah. their needs that they had on the list weren't needs and then they didn't and like you said kuiper didn't even have a receiver as a need i'm like this i don't like Mel kuiper <laughs> so never have but anyways they addressed corner they've addressed receiver i'm hoping they take 
an alignment, but I'm not going to be surprised if they don't, because when you get to this point, they already have, you know, Pete and John, their whole tenure here, they've been hesitant to draft linemen and they look at them differently than other people. And so now you're in the sixth round. All these linemen are already gone. Yeah. <laughs> so would I be surprised if they're just like, now we'll just get some in the undrafted rookie pool? No, I wouldn't be surprised. But I still want to see it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. All right. I guess that's yeah. enough of the draft. What? Yeah. Dr- still going on. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll probably be busy. We might be busy on the running back talk, so we'll have to update the Seahawks picks probably later. Because the the running back, we gotta wanna stay focused on the running backs when we get there. Um, but we are gonna throw in just a bit of NBA stuff right here. Next week is gonna be when we really I mean that's gonna be NBA a lot, and it's gonna be NBA a lot until through the playoffs. So Anyone who's mm-hmm. been thinking we're lacking on the NBA talk, starting next week. It will be week, coming at you. It's going to you know? be probably the biggest thing on every pod. Coming back at you like Jason Tatum and the Celtics the other night. Yeah, great comeback. Amazing. They were down 32 points. They came back with the win behind 60 points from Tatum. Ties Larry Bird Woo! for the franchise record. Yeesh. Larry Bird, my greatest player of all time. Just to remind you guys to listen to that episode and who think I'm crazy. And just, to get, just to get you excited for the running back talk. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's yeah, a great game. Fantastic game from him. And then just notable news about players in this little, in the last stretch of the season. LeBron just came back. He had a high ankle sprain. And he, I believe last night, he just came back. And I just saw... A bit ago, I think that the next time the Hornets play, LaMelo is officially going to be back. So that'll be huge for them. Yeah, because they're in... Are they in the playoffs right now? Like, you know... I I was going to go over the standings. And right now, yes. Yeah, so playoff push. You want to get everybody in there healthy, ready to go. Back into the... You get your rotation set, you know. So it's great for them. So yeah, going over the standings as we get it looks like you know it looks like less than 10 games now yeah i was just gonna say there's there's gotta be only like 10 games yeah for everybody so right now in the eastern conference we got brooklyn at one philly at two milwaukee at three the knicks at four the hawks at five boston at six miami so boston's at six even though they've been pretty hot lately right so yeah dang, that means them other teams have been hot too because they've, came, Speaking they've of hot, no ground. Miami Heat at 7. <laughs> see what oh, I did there? Oh, I see that. Well, because last Charlotte time I think we went over, Miami, I don't know, maybe they were in, but they were just, they've just They were around out. this. Yeah. I think they're around this area. So who's the 9 right now in the East? Indiana. What's their record? 29 and 33, and the Hornets are 30 and 32. Man, I'm going to rant about the Pacers if they don't make it in the playoffs. You guys better find your way in the playoffs because if you don't, I'm going to still be just killing you guys over fire and Nate. What are the Hawks? 34 and 30. Yeah, I mean, Nate's over there, takes over the Hawks. They're in the playoffs. You guys fired him and you're not in because you don't know what you're doing. It reminds me of when Seattle did it when we got rid of Nate and then we brought in Bob Weiss. Like, what kind of stupid idiots are running these organizations? Like, what are you doing? You got a good 
a really, really good coach and you're like, oh, well, he's not getting us to the next level. You don't have next level players. Mm -hmm. How are you supposed to get to the next level with this coach when you don't have next level players? You got to have the players. If you don't, don't blame the coach. Yep. Like he's he's coaching them to the best of their abilities and getting them into the playoffs. And they're like, oh, well, it's not good enough. We should be better. No. As you can see, you're not better. <laughs> yeah. Like, so get the players and he will elevate them. Crazy people. Anyway, sorry. Over on the West. Get me going. <laughs> there's actually a tie for first place now between the Jazz and the Suns. I just warm enough for that running back tie. So right now it, just, it has the Suns at one and Jazz at two. At their, since they're at the same record. Hey, crazy and if some... the Jazz... I mean, if the Suns overtake them. Mm -hmm. And then just think if you're the Jazz. All year you've been number one, and then at the end you... That that would just be that thing that those... The people who've really been, really been dissing them all year would use to just be like, see? See? Yeah. You couldn't even hold on to number <laughs> one seed. At three, you got the Clippers. Denver's at four. The Lakers are at five. The Mavericks are at six. The Trailblazers at seven, and at eight you have the Memphis Grizzlies. Who's nine? San Antonio. By how many games are they behind? One. Grizzlies are thirty-two and thirty. No offense, Grizzlies, 31. but I, I want San Antonio to overtake them because I, I like Dejounte Murray, <laughs> and he's been having a really no offense, Jaw. I like you too. Solid season. Yeah, that's true. I like Jaw a lot too. But uh, but Murray more because go dogs. But um, what was I gonna say? You know, barring any crazy you know losing all the rest of their games here on out like i think uh jokic has wrapped up mvp pretty much i know yeah well for me i will say because obviously you don't really know well, what man, the I voters are gonna say. i don't know what they say with Embiid being back but since he missed time yeah he missed time but i just think because like we he's talked, still up there we yeah i know Embiid would probably be two yeah for me right now and i know sixers fans probably would think that's crazy but for me it's because of how they've done since murray's gone out yeah you know like it's kind of those things so murray's been gone and look at how well the nuggets has played without how well have the sixers been without mb you know what i mean like Jokic isn't the one gone if he was gone and nuggets were still winning then you're like oh okay that hurts him so yeah, you know what I'm saying like it hurts Embiid. It hurts him already just for being out because he has that history of missing time. But if they were solid without him, then you're like, oh, that hurts your your you know MVP status. Mm -hmm. Whereas Jokic is literally carrying them, <laughs> right? So for me, anyways. And there's other guys who are in the conversation, very deserving. But you know, when we get on this next week, I think we'll probably be like, it'll probably be. Almost, it'd probably be official, right? Who is the MVP? It's gonna. Well, no, I guess one more week. Cause yeah, cause it's gonna it's gonna know. go down to the wire. Yeah, cause if Embiid falls out, like let's say he has like this string where he's like, you know, thirty and fifteen, and you know, five blocks or something like that, and they go undefeated, you're like, okay, that's hard to ignore. And like they <laughs> they overtake the Nets or something, right? And even. With the fact that, you know, I do think that, well, I mean, they're both centers. I'm going to say, you know, he's doing it in an era with, you know, there's not a lot of great centers. There's not a lot of good centers <laughs> and really actual centers. You know what I mean? 
but you could say the same thing, I guess, with Jokic. So can't can't knock, that. can't knock Embiid for that if Jokic is a center too. But would Jokic be a center? How tall is Jokic? Would he? I want to say he's right at seven foot. If not, yeah, like no, six so, eleven. So he's a big guy. He's a center. Center. He plays center in any era. Yeah, he's six eleven. His game is just different than Embiid's, but still, yeah, like I said, if I can't I can't knock Embiid for that if I'm not gonna knock Jokic for it. So what they're both doing is amazing. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And they're both to me, they're the one and two. Lillard is, you know, up there for what he's doing, but you know, they're what they're They're seven. I yeah, think they're I just the said. seven. I mean, you gotta be five. And and it also depends on what's going on with your team around you. Lillard doesn't have as much help either, kind of like uh, Jokic. Embiid's probably got a little bit more help, but it's still debatable. I'm yeah. sure some fans would be like, does he? I mean, it's it's close. They're all close, but they're also playing different conferences, so you can't just be like, well, this conference is better than this conference. Like, eh, you know, I guess at the end of the day, we'll just look at the numbers, the records. Are they close enough? You know, mm-hmm. like just because the Sixers have a overall better record, it's like, yeah, but is it by one or two games? Yeah. So we'll go through all that in the weeks to come. But yeah, but that's to come. This is now, and now we gotta get into so first, what we're here for. Yeah, first we're gonna kind of go over our criteria, probably name some honorable mentions. So we'll do that next. All right, all right. Oh, oh this is going to be fun. <laughs> Our top 10 running backs all time. We're going to, right now, we're just going over criteria and, like I said, honorable mentions. And for me, it's hard to talk about the top 10 running backs of all time, right? There's so many worthy guys. There are guys that are in so many people's top 10 that won't be in mine because of criteria. So, you know, a lot of people will just look at their peak. Yeah. Look at some guys. Most running backs have a five-year peak. If you if you go over <laughs> all the greats, usually there's a five-year peak. And their peak could be just amazing. And other guys, their five-year peak is just solid, but then they have other years that are better than these guys with the great peak than their other years, right? Some guys fall completely off the cliff after their five-year peak. So I kind of fall, you know, in the your five-year peak, but then your other years. Mm-hmm. I want other years. They don't have to be amazing, but they have to be something. If you fall off the cliff, then you probably aren't in my top 10. That was now, something I looked a lot into. Like, you know, longevity played a part mainly because, you know, it's the running backs and, you know, they take such so many hits like the most hits out of like this your skill positions pretty much so i'm like if you were able to you know keep up your really good play even if it's not you know always like the prime you have like your prime years but if you're able to keep it up at like you know an above average just really good type of level then yeah that's gonna help you in my case yeah now obviously you need all pros, Pro Bowls, you know, how many, what, 
what's your criteria for a great season? You know what I mean? Now, some people, they're looking at, you know, 1,400 yards and above. And I do, like, agree. Like, 1,400 yards and above. Like, most guys, when you're looking at their five-year peak, they're having that many. And, yeah. And they're also receiving yards, too, because some guys might have 1,400 yards rushing, but also 400 yards receiving, right? Whereas another guy mm-hmm. might have 1,700 yards rushing, but only like 200 yards receiving. So you know what I mean? Sometimes we don't look at it, you know, as a whole. We're just looking at that rushing total. Yeah. You know, when, you but, know, it could be contributions in, you know, how many touchdowns did they got? Maybe they get over like 20 touchdowns or something ridiculous like that. Exactly. Like some people will say, well, a 2,000-yard season. That was something I was going to mention. A two, this guy's got a 2,000-yard season. And there's guys who have 20 yards, 20 touchdown season, yard seasons. No, oh, a 20 yard season. You're amazing. Whoa. 20 touchdown seasons. And people don't realize that that's almost as hard to do as a 2,000 yard season. Eight running backs, eight different running backs in history have rushed for 2,000 yards. You know how many different running backs have rushed for 20 touchdowns in a season? Nine. It's literally almost just as hard. Two guys, now it's been done 11 times, a 20 touchdown season, because two guys have done it twice. Emmitt Smith and Priest Holmes. Nobody's run for 2,000 yards twice. But it's statistically almost exactly as hard to get for one guy to get, you know, uh, a 2,000-yard season as it is a 20-touchdown rushing season. A 20-touchdown rushing. 20 rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I guess if I don't say that, it doesn't <laughs> compute. But nobody ever talks about that. Because it doesn't matter to people. Even now, people are like, oh, that's not a big deal. But it's statistically just as hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, percentage, small percentage points <laughs> is the only difference. You know what I mean? So there's there's just different criteria, like I said. I mean, and then the pounding. Like you said, I look at playoffs. I want playoff performance. Yeah. You know, that means, and, and why? Because we're on running backs, like you said, the pounding. Every carry, and that's like extra games, like think with about more the wear draft. and tear. Exactly. Think about the draft. If there's a running back who started was a four year starter at running back, he's not going high because they're worried about the pounding he took. They're like, well, why do you have to stay four years? He look at this pounding. He's already got this many carries. Those guys usually fall in the draft now. You know, before they didn't, but nowadays they do because yeah. of the pounding. Look at the toll that it takes on guys, and then it affects the end of their career. So you're going to take a guy who had this great career in the regular season, but he did nothing in the playoffs, and then you're going to take a guy who had, you know, six or seven years, and then he kind of fell off at the end, but he had this great playoff run in that middle time, and nobody talks about the fact that that took away from the end of his career. That's why his his career later on doesn't look as nice as this other guy's regular season stats and i'm like you're not you, you got to look at the whole picture shouldn't you at least add then maybe you should just add those yards onto those other seasons and now it makes those earlier seasons look great but but nobody does that yeah but it's not fair so you're not counting their playoff moments at all so this is kind of how i'm going to get into my honorable mentions now well first i'll mention the guys who they had some great peaks, but then they fell off. And they're they're two of the best ever, and they're usually on people's top tens. And 
They're in my top 10 favorite running backs. They're in the top 10 most talented running backs, but they fall off because after their peak, they did nothing. Not, they're not fault to their own, really. Gail Sayers is one of those guys. Five years, you know, just amazing. And then he has two years where he did nothing. He played seven years. And because of the injuries, I mean, those two years, like he played in like two games, five games, mm -hmm. did nothing. And talent-wise, I mean, Gail Sayers is <laughs> maybe two, three. <laughs> He's in the top five talent-wise all time. He's amazing. But you don't even have 5,000 yards rushing for your career. And so how can I put you? I mean, how can you legitimately put him in the top 10 when you're comparing all these other guys? Like, no playoff games. Never played in a playoff game. So he doesn't take this pounding that everybody else might have taken. And yet he still got the injuries, unfortunately. And yeah, like I said, like statistically, yeah, five-time all-pro, four-time pro bowler. Mm -hmm. Talent-wise, just amazing. Led the NFL in rushing yards twice. Like there's no debating that he's amazing. But for me, I can't put him in my top 10 because I've got these other guys who have these all these other things too, but talent wise, and you, you obviously you'll play the, what if, what if he didn't get hurt, but he did. And so these other guys didn't. So I have to keep him out of my top 10. I'm sorry. I love him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Earl Campbell is another one. The, these Earl, two I Earl Campbell because, was also on my honorable mentions because list. these guys are probably 11 and 12 on my list because I love them so much, but I had to bump them out. And for Earl, you know, I know who has... my 11 would be. You'll know who it is when. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Earl Campbell has five seasons where he's out over 1,300 yards. He has a 1,900 yard rushing season, an mm -hmm. almost 1,700 yard rushing season. He has an MVP. He's a three time All Pro, a five time Pro Bowler. His highlight runs are some of my favorite to watch. I love it. He was beast mode before Marshawn. He was amazing. I love Earl Campbell. But. After those five seasons, his next best season is, what, 643 yards rushing. You know, the wear and tear. That's what I'm talking about. The wear and tear, it just it broke, it just broke him. Like, he, he couldn't yep. do it anymore. And that, and that five years, and even, like, if you just want to say, like, those, <laughs> those three, his first three years, amazing. But I need a little bit more than that. To, to have you in the top 10. Now, but barely, because like I said, he's like 11. <laughs> mm -hmm. And his playoff resume is not really much there. He has a one 100-yard playoff game, six six playoff games, 420 yards. It's not awful, but it's not great. When you look at his regular season stuff, how great it is, his playoffs isn't great. It doesn't... I think the, what the other guys in my top 10, they either... They had longer... Their, their peaks are, are, are near him, then their other seasons are a little better, and then their playoffs are usually a little better. Yeah. There's something that just puts somebody else slightly above him. Mm -hmm. It's not much. It's just slightly. Because <laughs> these guys are all amazing, right? So That's why they're even on here. So another honorable mention for me is Marcus Allen. And he's one of those mm -hmm. guys that you just don't know because after he has an MVP season – he starts splitting carries with Bo Jackson and he has the, you know, disagreements with the Raiders and everything like that. And so his career goes really long, but he doesn't have another thousand yard season after that. He only yeah. has three of them, but he has great playoff performances. He's like over a thousand yards in the, 
in the playoffs. He's a great playoff performer, but you know, he only has 3000 yard seasons. So, but he is a great. Mm -hmm. Now, now the two that I really want to talk about because of their playoffs is Tony Dorsett and Franco Harris. Two, two other guys on my honorable mentions as well. Yeah. Because they're so deserving. Like, yep. Now they've only got one all pro Franco's nine pro bowls. Dorsett four. They're both Hall of Famers. Yep. They both won Super Bowls. They both right. have over twelve thousand yards rushing. Yards. But Franco Harris is number two in playoff history in rushing yards, and he's one of the most most clutch playoff performers ever. How come we don't talk about that with running backs? They skill skill position wise, they touch the ball more than anybody else, right? Mm-hmm. You could say for for half of you know, the NFL's existence, running backs were the most important position for half of the existence of the NFL. Running backs are the most important position. So why don't we hold them as accountable for their playoff performance as we do quarterbacks? They should be held almost to that exact same level. Yeah. Maybe you won't, we won't say their rings, but their performance should still be pretty much equal to their regular season. Because that's what you expect out of your quarterback. If you look at any quarterback statistics and they play worse in the playoffs, you immediately are like, oh, they're not a good player performer. Yeah. And that's a hit to them. Mm-hmm. But with running backs, we don't do that. And we should. Because they touch the ball as much. I mean, they don't touch it as much as a quarterback. But they might run it more than a quarterback throws it. There's yeah. numerous playoff games where they run the ball. The, the top running back will run the ball more. Or then, then the top quarterback passes it. You know that's happened so many times, and you don't see it as much right now because it's a passing league. But throughout history, you did, and that's what we're talking about: history, the greatest in history. Dorsett and Franco are, you know, just there. When you look at playoff performers for running backs, they're in the top four. In their yards. resumes, don't get as good as those guys at this position. So I mean. They had to be mentioned in some capacity. Yeah, it, w- it wouldn't has, do him justice if they weren't. He has five 100-yard rushing playoff games. Frank Harris does. Dorsett has three. Um, again, they're like second. Franco's second. I think Thurman Thomas is third. I'd have to double-check. All-time in playoff rushing yards. And also touchdowns. Franco Harris is like, Tied for second, I believe. Yeah, tied for second in playoff rushing touchdowns. In like total touchdowns, he's like in the top five. And the other thing about Franco, they're they're playing you know fourteen game seasons. You know, I think even at the beginning, twelve game seasons. So even though he only has like one season over twelve hundred yards, like they also didn't have the regular season. But the other thing about this playoff playing so many playoff games like we were mentioning earlier is it affects your next season and it affects the end of your career. How do you know Dorsett doesn't have better regular seasons or Franco doesn't have better regular seasons if he's not playing two and three playoff games a year like some of these other guys? Yeah. Like if we want to play the what-if game with all these guys, like you know, later on, you know, people will say, well, what if Gil Sayers played in 16-game seasons and he didn't get hurt? Okay, well, what if Franco Harris didn't play 21 postseason games was it 21 no no 19 sorry it's thurman thomas later on that i'll get to 19 playoff games he's gonna play 19 playoff games that's over another season in the playoffs so how do you know his regular season numbers aren't better without that wear and tear same with dorsett 
How do you know his regular season? Because everybody pretty much looks at these guys' regular season numbers. They look at their skill. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, skill and the way they run, you get really excited about. But then you make excuses for running backs. Well, bad team, this, this, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. What did you do? And then if you're up on a playoff team, what did you do in those playoffs? Dorsett and Franco Harris are going to be in a lot of other people's top tens because of the, those playoff games, and deservingly so. But they fall out of mind. But there are two in my top ten that that's a big reason why they are where they are. So those are my honorable mentions. Franco yep. Harris, Tony Dorsett, Marcus Allen, Gail Sayers, Earl Campbell. All amazing, and I could see them in someone's top 10. So, yeah, but I got Dorsett, Franco, and Earl as well in my honorable mentions. And then a couple of different ones that I had was I had Marshall Falk as one of my honorable mentions. Oh, you don't have him in the top 10. All right. I did not have oh. him in the top 10. Interesting. He's one of the right outside guys. And then my guy who was just outside, I, you know, I did want to put him on this list, but it wouldn't have really been fair. Edger and James, one of my favorite running backs ever. Yeah, that's one of his favorites. I was actually surprised he didn't put him in. It was. <laughs> you should have seen my process. It was at first, no, he wasn't going to be in. I look into it a little bit. Okay, I'm going to put him in. And then a little bit later, nope, I can't put him in. So I was finally like, I can't put him in. He'll be, I'll just say he's my 11 because I he was in for a second. And he's one of my favorites. But there is... A criteria with I had a debate with one of the other backs and looking at someone else I have in my list it wouldn't have been fair if I didn't include them as well so he had to be bumped out yep I mean I, you know like I said I didn't even have him as honorable mention but mm -hmm. when you really look over Edron James I mean he's probably going into the Hall of Fame soon you know so Hall of Fame back you know I mean you can't really it's hard. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of people. You could go back. I mean, there's so many guys that are deserving of this that people don't even ever talk about. And just like we talked about before, one day we're going to do a pre-16 game season, top 10 all-time running backs, and then we're going to do a post. And when we do that pre, there's going to be names on there that, that, that probably, if you could take everybody and put really truly put them in the same exact seasons, you know, if you could really do that fantasy type thing. Yeah, there might be guys that you find that really are better, but you can't really do that based on everything, all the information that we have now. Like you got to just go like by by all these all pros and the yardage and just all this stuff. Like because you don't know, you don't know what a Lenny Moore, who is one of my favorite running backs of all time, would really do in sixteen game seasons and what his career would look like. It could look amazing. Mm -hmm. he, Lenny Moore is like truly the original, you know, multi-purpose back. You know, the guys like Roger Craig and Marshall Falk and Thurman Thomas. Like Lenny Moore was like that true original. And he would just, I feel like he would be amazing, but you don't know. But he could still be in someone's top 10 and I wouldn't argue it. He's on the all-time team, mm -hmm. the NFL all-time team. And when I saw that, I was like, so deserving. He's amazing. But... He's not in my top 10. But if we did the pre-16 game seasons, oh yeah, he's in my top 10. It's pretty high. What about Jim Taylor, Joe Perry? Like these mm -hmm. are amazing backs who, if someone told me they're in their top 10, I'm like, 
it's hard, but that guy's got to be old. that that person who's making that top ten got to be old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty old, and yet, you know, my number ten guy. Some people are going to be like, "He's your ten? I thought you were old school." Yeah, wait for it. So, uh, but anyways, like so, criteria. You know, obviously, talent plays a role there. But I mean, even that sometimes I think people get a little bit too crazy on. For me, what you did. You know, I want what you did. I want what you did in the playoffs. I want what you did overall because it all matters. Mm-hmm. And like I said, some some of these honorable mentions are just, they're amazing. And there's guys that we didn't even mention that are amazing backs. It's so, but they're not, to me, they're just, they're just fall outside. And when we, when I do my top 10, I'll, I'm going to do mine first. And yep. I will, you know, break it down and tell you why. I'm not just, we're just not going to say 10, you know? Yeah. And that's why we're doing kind of this criteria before, just like we did, you know, with our, with our top 10 NBA players. And for me, you can take, for these running backs, you could take from number five to like 15 all time. And you could just flip these names. Right. You really could. Because there's so many deserving guys, and they really could. To me, the top four is set. And if you don't think yeah. they're the top four, then I think you're insane. <laughs> I was no right. As soon as I knew we were doing this, I was like, okay, well, I know the first four. The Mount That's Rushmore pretty easy. of the all-time greatest running backs is a no-brainer. And, and we'll get to that. So, anyways, anything you want to add on this criteria or honorable mentions before we start um, our list? I I think I pretty much covered everything I needed to cover. I don't have anything else to add, so uh, you're I'm, up. I'm sure I forgot some stuff, but, you know, it's fine. Damon's top ten running backs. Next. All right, I'm jumping right into it. Number ten for me is O.J. Simpson. I know before mm. you guys say anything, oh, O.J.'s so great, and how is he ten? But, you know, I got to give some – you know, his personal issues does drop him because because personal bias in a way does play some role in this. But I also he has the best running back season of all time. You know, his 2000 yard season in 14 games. And he's a five time all pro six time pro bowl. He won an MVP and he has three seasons with over, you know, 1500 yards rushing. And then he has two seasons where he's under 1200. And then his next best season is 742. So once you get out of his peak five, it's nothing special. He was amazing in that peak five, no question. But for me, he did just enough to stay above Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell had, you know, his five and he fell off. And OJ had his five. And I just take his 2,000-yard season and just, I'm like, yeah, I got to give him credit. No, yeah. one, one playoff game, 49 yards. I know he was on a bad team, but so you're, we're talking about the best ever. So, you know, best ever, if you're like we talked about, if you're the best ever quarterback, don't you got to get your team into the playoffs? Don't you got to do this? And, and if you get there, don't you got to do better than 49 yards? I mean, I know your team's not great, but you got to do better if you're the all time, you know, and, I still think he's amazing. I'm not I'm not trying to diss him. I'm just giving my reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm really not trying to diss him. You you see him play, he's amazing. Juice. But number 10. Number nine 
is another Bills running back that most people don't have in their top 10, and it's Thurman Thomas. Thurman Thomas, to me, is maybe the most underrated running back ever. He is amazing. I, he had he led the league in all-purpose yards, or, or total yards from scrimmage, four straight seasons. He was the man on those Bills teams. Mm-hmm. Four straight Super Bowls. He's a two-time All-Pro. He won an MVP, and people act like that doesn't exist. He's like third all-time in playoff rushing yards, second in playoff rush TDs. He's second all-time in the playoffs in yard from scrimmage and second in total tied for second in total touchdowns in the playoffs and he's like seventh or something all time in total yards from scrimmage he was he never led the league in rushing or like rushing touchdowns but he led the league in yards from scrimmage for four straight seasons and this is the reason why i have him where i have him do you guys realize how hard it is to play that many playoff games in such a short span (laughs) Then he comes back and he's still able to have, you know, a 1,200-yard season. He has, what, four seasons where he's over 1,200 yards rushing, two where he's over 1,400 yards rushing, plus the receiving. He's the He was Marshall Falk before Marshall Falk, mm-hmm. right? Just like I was saying, Lenny Moore was way before Roger Craig. But then you got Thurman, and he's doing it even better than Roger Craig. Now, yeah, he doesn't have a 1,000-yard receiving season. Right. But his dual threat ability was just amazing. What? Why is he only ninth? Well, the touchdown total is a little low. Excuse me. And, I mean, that's really it. His playoff performance is so good. And he would have been the MVP of the, uh, what Super Bowl was it? The Super Bowl against the Giants. I can't remember what number it was. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm old, so I remember things, but I also forget exactly which one it is because I'm a little old. <laughs> but, uh. I mean, he was the MVP of that game. They lost the game, so he loses the MVP. But he was the best player on the field. Mm-hmm. And watch the game. It's Thurman Thomas. So, you know, he misses out on a Super Bowl MVP. He's still able to, you know, he has 8,000-yard seasons. You know, only four of them, like I said, over 1,200. But he's still able to get 1,000 yards after this grueling five-year stretch. Because if you go you know, before those four straight Super Bowls, they're going to multiple, or they play multiple playoff games the year before too. That's like 15 playoff games. That's another season worth of games in this stretch. In a five-year stretch, he plays six seasons worth of games. For a running back, that's insane. When you go back to talking about Earl Campbell, he had all those carries early on and it broke his body. And then he was done. Thurman had the playoff performance with all those carries and touches and then he's still a thousand yard guy. It's not much over a thousand yards, but he's still a good weapon. He's still doing good things. He's amazing. Yep. Number nine. Number eight, Adrian Peterson. Peterson mm. could be higher, but it's hard for me because I used to love Adrian Peterson. And then his issues came up. And it really took a toll on me because I'm really, you know, you can't abuse kids. I'm sorry. I know people are like, oh, you hit people, you know, you can. I got spanked with the switch. Look, I got hit with the belt. I've been hit with the switch before. But if you make your kid bleed, when you're a freaking 225-pound just physical specimen and you're hitting your kid with the switch, you you need to calm down a little bit. You can't be (laughs) breaking the skin and making them bleed. Like, dude, you don't even need the switch with as big as you are. (laughs) So, yes, sorry. That does affect my ranking here. It really does. But, you know, he has four-time All-Pro, seven-time 
Pro Bowler, 8,000-yard seasons, a 2,000-yard season. You know, he has three seasons over 1,400 yards rushing. He has two other seasons on top of that over 1,200 yards rushing. And then he has the one you know, or, you know, a few seasons under 1,200. And then, you know, he's not really a playoff performer either. Five playoff games. It's 412 yards. That's not bad. I mean, that's pretty good. One 100-yard game. And I think he had like a 99-yard game. But there's nothing. That, I mean, that's that's solid. But they didn't go anywhere. But at least it's solid, you know. He's amazing. He really is. It's literally just because of his personal things that happened to him. Because, and, But also not, not just that I look at it bad, but because it affected his career, right? Mm-hmm. Then he ends up getting suspended. Then he can't be on a team. It's not really his fault, but you don't know what would have happened to him. You don't know how great. It just kind of, it didn't end his greatness because you still see him now when he does something you're like man you know he's still pretty solid <laughs> even at this age and everything like that what it, it may you have to play the what if game with him that's kind of what it is so you got to play the what if game and then you're just kind of like uh eh, i didn't have to play the what if game with some of these other guys so he's eight number seven ladanian tomlinson I almost switched peterson with tomlinson because i have a big problem with tomlinson <laughs> and we'll get there but he's amazing, right? Seventh all-time in rushing, second all-time in rushing touchdowns. Hall of Famer, three-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, won an MVP. He has the record for rushing touchdowns in a season. He has the single season record for single season total touchdowns with 31. He led the league in rushing twice and 8,000-yard seasons, five seasons over 1,400-yard rushing, and another season over 1,300, another season over 1,200. So, you know. He's amazing in the regular season. This is where I I have a huge problem with Tomlinson. His playoff performance is awful. 10 playoff games, 468 yards. Adrian Peters had five playoff games, 412. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Tomlinson, his regular season numbers are incredible. And he averages under 50 yards a game in the playoffs. Don't tell me it's his team. That's not a good excuse. Played with Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Hall of Fame tight end. He had what? Lorenzo Neal? I mean, he did have Lorenzo. Yeah, like that's a Hall of Fame caliber fullback. I didn't right even there. think about. You know, I, I knew you were talking about QB Tata, and then you said that. Like, I didn't even think about that too. And not only did he not perform, he wouldn't play hurt. He misses a game with turf toe. He comes out of another game after two carries because he hurt his knee. No one really even knows what happened. He sits on the sideline with the helmet. You know, they, they're not saying what the injury is after the game. He's just kind of like, oh, I took my knee and I'm not going to risk my career. Like, oh, so you're not going to lay it on the line for your team in the playoffs to win a Super Bowl. Got it. You know, so though he's amazing and I cannot, he has to be in my top 10 because he is that great. But I've always been bothered for his lack of playoffs. Not just success, because you sometimes players don't have success. And you can you can kind of point to it and say, oh, well, is it his fault? Is it not? No, it was his fault. You got to perform better, and you got to play with minor injuries. Yes, minor injuries. Turf toe. Marshall Falk played like a whole season with turf toe. It, he had an awful season, but he played, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And that was a season, not one game. Like, you... They they had teams that could have been teams that went to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they would have won it necessarily, but he's been on multiple teams that had 
just as good a shot as anyone to play in the Super Bowl. And he didn't perform. So don't tell me how great, don't tell me he deserves to be in the top five. Don't tell me he's better than some of these other guys I'm going to have above, uh, you know, above him. Because in the playoffs, he proved that he's not. Yeah. He's the only guy I'm going to really diss in this whole list because he makes me mad. <laughs> so, number six, Marshall Falk. Ah, oh, Marshall Falk. He's him and Thurman. I almost just put right next to each other. It was like maybe I should put Thurman at seven. I was like, nah, I'll I'll, I'll leave him because these other guys like Thurman's playoffs is so great, but you know these other regular their regular seasons are so great. And Marshall Falk, you know, all purpose back is when you when you're just talking about rushing receiving all time. Is there anybody better in that combination? It's really hard <laughs> to say. Yeah, I mean he's amazing. He led the NFL in total yards from scrimmage, what, four times also? Three-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowl Hall of Famer, won an MVP. His playoff performance isn't great either. So he has 12 playoff games, 602 yards, but he also has 519 yards receiving. Like Tomlinson only had 176 yards receiving, and he's a, he was a great all-purpose back too. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Thurman Thomas, his receiving yards for in the playoffs was 672 on top of his 1442 but Falk's other part of his playoff problem was Mike Martz a lot I mean everybody who was alive then knew they were like why isn't Martz using Falk more why isn't he using him or why why is he leaving him out there as a decoy so much so he's one guy that when you look at it I can see people going was it totally his fault now he still didn't perform at the same level when he got the touches as he did in the regular season so he still wasn't great in the playoffs he wasn't i wouldn't even necessarily say he was good but he wasn't awful like yeah. ladanian so i give him the edge over ladanian you know he's eighth all time in rushing touchdowns tied with sean alexander 12th all time in rushing yards he won a Super Bowl. He's on that amazing offense. <laughs> you know, greatest show on turf. He's he's incredible, but he's number six. Top five time, Eric Dickerson is number five. I love Eric Dickerson. Oh, man. What's not to love about Eric Dickerson? <laughs> he started off his career amazing. He jumps on that Rams team with that great offensive line, and he's just off and running. And he has the all-time record for a season rushing yards, 2,105. Five-time All-Pro, six Pro Bowls, 7,000-yard seasons. And in those seven seasons, he was never under 12,000 yards. I mean, 12, yeah, 1,200 yards. I said 1,000, didn't I? 12, that, that's a 1,200 that's a yards. yards. I mean, he did that in one season? <laughs> He's a one-season wonder because he only has 13,259 for his career. <laughs> Anyways, so he has three seasons over 1,800 yards rushing. You know, led the NFL in rushing four times in rushing touchdowns twice he's a good playoff performer seven playoff games 724 yards rushing three touchdowns he has 300 yard playoff games and one when he had 99 he has a playoff high of 248 yards rushing so he could perform in the playoffs also and he didn't have amazing teams he had a great offensive line but you know you don't look at his team so like if you're gonna say like tomlinson didn't have great teams which again he had some he should not have had the postseasons that he had. Dickerson, this is how this is why he's better to me. He performed in the playoffs. He had the great regular seasons also. 
he has just amazing statistics <laughs> and amazing running style unforgettable you know his goggles and his stride mm-hmm. yep <laughs> and uh yeah after those seven seasons though his next best season is 729 yards rushing he kind of fell off because he carried a huge workload like he had 400 like if you look at his career if you go his first two seasons like he averaged almost 400 carries a year then the next year he's just over 1200 yards so he has like 1800 yards 2000 then he's 1200 because of that workload took a toll then the next year 1800 and then the next year 1200 that those years take a toll then the next year 1600 and then and then he had a he had a ton of carries that next year it's 1300 it took a toll like this stuff takes a toll on guys but he was still able to do that before, you know and then the real fall off started but he yeah. also had those playoff games mixed in there too so all those carries it takes a toll why don't we talk about that enough like why do they get punished for the longevity not happening with that you know when they had that workload and they were still that great so i put him like you could say like tomlinson was better in year eight and eight and nine than dickerson what but dickerson's you know seven were so good and more in, to me more impressive and that workload he took was so much more impressive that those last two it didn't tip the scales yeah it kept dickerson ahead so now we're getting the top four the mount rushmore oh. these four are in any order like i said five through 15 you could kind of flip them around if you know if somebody wanted to put thomas in top five i don't agree because of that playoff thing but you could make an argument you know i i do admit that mm-hmm. <laughs> you could make an argument it's just not for me these four to me there's no argument they are the top four I think if you say otherwise, you're just, you're holding on to something that's not there. Every metric that you can use points to these four because they just statistically, everything, it just, it points to these four. Mm -hmm. Now you're not going to like my order, but here we go. Number four, Jim Brown. Oh, Jim Brown's number four. Everybody has Jim Brown one, two, or three. He's number four. One thing is I'm old, but I'm not that old. So I never saw him play. Yes, I've seen the highlights a million times. I've seen him run over guys that are either smaller or the same size as him. <laughs> Most guys he played against were not big. He Defensive linemen were the only guys on the field that were sometimes bigger than him. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. Now, is that a knock necessarily? Again, these are... These, especially in these top four, these aren't knocks. These are just my reasonings. Uh, he's the Will Chamberlain of football, right? Will Chamberlain was ahead of his time. Most people don't have him number one, not even at center. They have him behind Bill and Akeem, right? Some people are going to throw him behind Shaq. They're going to say, "Was Will would Will have been better than Shaq if they played in the same era? You know what I mean? So for me, this is about the right spot for Jim Brown, four, because... He was just playing. He was a man amongst boys. Yeah. But also, he had the best offensive line of all time. Look it up. We're going to talk about somebody else. I'm <laughs> sure you haven't heard a name that 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 some people don't like, or they always are going to point to his offensive line. I told you about Dickerson's offensive line. 
Nobody ever talks about how good Eric Dickerson's offensive line is. It's one of the best of all time. Nobody talks about Jim Brown's offensive line. It probably is the best of all time. Three Hall of Famers, 30-something Pro Bowls, you know, 20, almost 20 all pros. Mm -hmm. These guys blocked for other Hall of Fame running backs before and after Jim Brown. They were amazing. He played on great teams. He had, I mean, his statistics are insane, right? You know, he's 11th all time still in rushing yards, six all time in touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, still all time Hall of Famer, eight time All Pro, nine Pro Bowls, led the league in rushing eight times, five times in rushing touchdowns. I mean, he's just amazing. Like, he's unstoppable, right? Well, hold on a second. Let's go to his four playoff games. Now, back then, they didn't play a lot of playoff games. It was like you made it to the title game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he plays in only four. 241 yards rushing, one touchdown. One 100-yard playoff game. His 5.2-yard per carry average in the regular season drops to 3.6 in the playoffs. He's the greatest of all time in everyone's mind. I know that's not exactly true, not in everyone's mind. But, you know, when you when you hear people talk about when you see the all-time team, they talk about Jim Brown, they're like, oh, he's the best. But in the playoffs, he's not doing it. Now, again, this is just my ranking. If you have him number one, this is just the reason why he's not mine. He's he's four because he's, the, he's kind of like Wilt Chamberlain. So I got to mark him down. I didn't see him. And then his playoff performance. Now you can say, oh, well, what if he played 16 games? Again, like we talked about that wear and tear. If he played 16 game seasons, you know, from the start of his career, then those seasons at the end of his career aren't going to look as nice as they do statistically. It's all going to even itself out. Those earlier seasons are going to look better. Those later seasons are going to look worse. So it's all going to even itself out. But because he didn't play those games and he didn't have all those playoff games, it looks how it looks, which it Mm -hmm. looks great. And it is great. And it would have looked great the other way too. But his lack of postseason success hurts him. Number three, Barry Sanders. Mm. I love Barry Sanders. But I'm going to say some things that are going to make people mad. But you shouldn't. But first, let's just talk about his greatness. Fourth all-time, 15,269 rushing yards, 99 touchdowns. Hall of Fame, six-time All-Pro, 10-time Pro Bowler, MVP, 10,000, 1,000-yard seasons. All 10 seasons over 1,000 yards, you know. Seven seasons over 1,400 yards. A 2,000-yard seasons. He led the NFL in rushing four times. Rushing TDs once. He's amazing. Highlight reel. I mean, mm-hmm. how <laughs> is it? Is it? the best highlight reels ever possibly you know it's definitely up there it's it's amazing but where what is my issues it's the myths people take things about Barry Sanders and they put them you know they say that his teams were so awful when they were not as bad as people think uh Walter Payton's first 10 years his teams were worse um OJ Simpson's teams were worse but yet you don't hear people always harping about that like they do about Barry Sanders. His, he had a four-time all-pro wide receiver on his team, Herman Moore. Not every single year, but for, what, six, six years. Herman Moore's best six years were all in there with Barry Sanders' years and four-time all-pro. He had another wide receiver for two straight years, Brett Perryman, averaged 100 catches and 1,100 yards. Now, granted, that's two years, but what I'm saying is, you can go to years and you can see that there were that he had good solid teams for uh, we'll say half of his team half of his career. We'll say 5 years, yeah. Nasty crap. Other 5 years, 
playoff teams. Playoff teams. I'm not saying great teams. They make yeah, it yeah, in the yeah. playoffs. I'm not saying Super Bowl contenders. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. Playoff teams. That's not awful. So people always do that, and it pisses me off. He wasn't on the worst teams in the world. It's not true. You're, you're, you're making up stuff that you don't have to. Let's just – his statistics alone, you could say he's number one. You don't have to make stuff up. Yeah. So there's that. That always made me mad. And then there's his playoff performance. Six playoff games, 386 yards, one touchdown, one 100-yard game. One touchdown? He also has a game where he had 13 carries and negative one yard. You're talking about the greatest of all time. Don't tell me how bad his team was. Again, if you're, if you're telling me you're the greatest of all time, how come you only have one 100-yard playoff game and one touchdown? That, mm -hmm. I have a problem with that. Again, the play, he doesn't play in a lot of playoff games, so he doesn't have that wear and tear on top of his regular season. So it helps him stay healthier going into the next season. So his statistics don't take that hit that other backs take. You know, the Thurman Thomases, Eric Dickerson, the you know the carry load. I, the, the, the number two guy on my list, Walter Payton, the carry load. Walter Payton had a huge load. Like I said, first 10 years, his team is worse than Barry Sanders' team. He's catching more balls out of the backfield than Barry Sanders is. His touches are way more. So he's just doing, you know, he's just taking more hits yeah. than Barry Sanders is. So yeah, like I said, Walter Payton, number two, second all-time, 16,726 yards, fifth all-time in touchdowns still, 110, Hall of Fame, five-time All-Pro, nine-time Pro Bowler, MVP, a Super Bowl champion. 10 1,000 yard seasons also, six of them over 1,400 yards, and the other four over 1,200. Led the NFL in rushing once, which I was actually shocked about. Like, I've, I've known, I've followed, not followed Walter Payton my whole life because I wasn't. <laughs> 84 was when I really, that's like I really remember sports. Yeah. And so, you know, he was towards the end of his career. But, you know, I've, looked up his statistics numerous times and just never really noticed. He only led the NFL in rushing yards once. I was kind of shocked. Rushing touchdowns once. His, wh why do I have him number two? It's really just when I talk about my number one, it's that, that will tell you why. But, uh, I mean, there's nothing bad you can say about Walter Payton. He's amazing. You know, his playoff performance isn't great. Nine playoff games, 632 yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, it's just not great. Most of his playoff games came at the end of his career, so he was older. Mm -hmm. That's his statistics, you know, are amazing. But again, he wasn't getting a bunch of carries from those playoff games. He wasn't doing anything in the playoffs because they weren't making the playoffs. So he wasn't taking those hits. So his statistics, like when you just when you just look at the rushing yards, you're just like, wow, that's amazing. Look at how it just stays so great for so long because he's not taking that extra pounding, playing those extra games. Then he does at the end of his career, and then you see him just fall off on that last year because he's aged and he's having those extra years. And then he goes from like, you know, 1,200 yards to like six or 533. And you're like, whoa, where did that come from? You didn't see that because of that workload and it just caught up with them all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. which happens, which when you go back to Barry Sanders, everybody talking about him breaking the record. It's like, you never know when you're going to fall off these backs. Some of them just fall off. So you never know. So I'm running out of time. So I got to get to my number one all time is Emmett Smith. I'm not a Dallas Cowboy fan. So it's a, not because I'm a Cowboy fan. He's the all time leading rusher. It's not just because of that. People say, Oh, 
He took 15 years to do it. Now, he broke the record in his 13th year. Walter Payton played 13 years. I mean, I don't understand why that's hard for people to figure yeah. out. It really pisses me <laughs> off when people say, he, play, he played so long. 13 years, Walter Payton, 16,726 in 13 years. Emmett had 17,100 and something. I forget the exact amount. After 13 years, what are you guys talking about? He has more touchdowns than anybody all-time. Hall of Famer, four-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, three Super Bowl championships, 11,000-yard season, five 1,400-yard seasons, four seasons over 1,200 yards, led the league in rushing four times, touchdowns three times. Oh, he's also the all-time leading rusher in the playoffs. He has more touchdowns than anybody in the playoffs with 19, rushing, that is. Second all-time in uh total yards from scrimmage in the playoffs or no yeah yeah and second and tied for second in total uh touchdowns in the playoffs with thurman thomas and they're both behind when he's who is who is he behind in total yards in the playoffs and in total touchdowns in the playoffs jerry rice jerry rice played 12 more games and he's slightly ahead but not different positions but still he has three other seasons where he's over 900 yards. People just talk about longevity. But again, I go back to that playoff. You go to those those six years. If you go 91 to 96, he averaged 463 touches. Touches per season, regular season and playoffs. That's ridiculous. When you go to that season where Barry had 2,097 and Emmett had 1,000, and that's where everybody's like, oh, that proved that Barry was better. Emmett Smith just played a stretch where he played seven seasons worth of football in six seasons mm-hmm. where Barry Sanders was getting rest in those off seasons. That, that did not mean anything to me when that happened. I just thought, Oh, that was an amazing season by Barry Sanders. Emma Smith then bounces back and has two straight seasons with over 1300 yards and makes, makes it to the pro bowl to just show how great he is. And those weren't on great teams. By then, the Cowboys' great teams were gone. Yeah. Don't, t- don't tell me about his offensive line. I just told you how great Jim Brown's was and how great Eric Dickerson's was. Nobody knocks them for that. Why are you knocking Emmett? Nobody knocks Jerry Rice for having Joe Montana, Steve Young. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you got? Nobody knocks Joe Montana for having, you know, Jerry Rice and Roger Craig. Why? Why do people diss Emmett for this? It's ridiculous. You, again, he led the league in rushing four times. You know, Peyton once. Barry Sanders four times, you know, I mean, he's by every measure, he deserves to be one of the greatest of all time in the top four. He's on the Mount Rushmore. If you don't have him one, that's fine. You know, if you're going to say your excuses, you or your, I should say reasons, your reasons is because he had more talent than the other guys. You got to remember that was for a couple of seasons. Like you act like that was his whole career. They were great from 92 to 95. The teams were great. From 92 to 95, he he played 11 more seasons. And he had a 1,500-yard season, two more 1,300-yard seasons, two more 1,200-yard seasons. The 1,200-yard season is a very solid season for a running back. And when you're talking about the workload he had on him, on those legs when he had some of those seasons, and the fact that those teams weren't great anymore, like people would say, well, what happened if he, had, if he was on the Barry Sanders-like team? Uh, in his 11th season, the Cowboys teams were talent-wise just as bad as many of Barry Sanders' teams. And that was 11 seasons, all those carries, and he had 1,200 yards. Mm-hmm. Emmitt Smith proved numerous times that he belongs in the greatest of all-time conversation. And for me, with the playoffs, being the all-time leading rusher in both. And if you go back 13 seasons, he's still the all-time leading rusher in both. Yeah. 
He is the greatest running back of all time. Jalen's up next. All right. Follow that. <laughs> Man, you guys missed it. I I I unclipped my mic for some reason. Like oh I my gosh. like I seriously did a mic drop with a clip well, on we have mic. Clip on mics on recording this podcast, and he just dropped it after. It wasn't intentional. I just all that did he it. said, he was like, "Boom, take that." <laughs> You got Emmy number one. What uh, how do you feel? Oh man, I could talk all day. Look about at me now. And, we're gonna have to do one one day <laughs> where where I just talk about Emmett and the reasonings and that people give and how I can just dismiss all of them because <laughs> I've done it for so long. But go ahead. We could have done that for Jaylen, episode uh, twenty two. All right. So starting from the bottom at number ten. Yeah, OJ Simpson. Oh, OJ, you had him at 10 also. I had OJ at 10, looking at his page, looking at his numbers and everything. And it was, you know, he's really banking on that 2,000-yard season for me, (laughs) pretty much. And then, you know, he had another great producing season as well with the 1,800 yards and the 1,500 yards. But... Minus that, with the couple, you know, above average seasons, and then... The other ones are just kind of meh. Well, he no, did lead the like, league in total yards from scrimmage three times. It was like... But, yeah. Okay, you did enough to get in here, get in my top ten, but I think, you know, looking at it and not having it last as yeah. long as a lot of other guys on my list, I was like, you can make it, but I'm putting you here because... If we were it doing last peak top five as long, you know, this this list is different. If you're doing peak top top five, oh yeah, then you know, OJ, then then the list looks a little bit different. But that's not what you should anybody should be doing when they do these. But yeah, OJ Simpson as my number ten, and then number nine, a new name that didn't get mentioned in yours, Jerome Bettis. Oh, the bus. The bus, Jerome Bettis, made it into my list. Mainly because... He didn't even get my honorable mention. But go go ahead. Jerome Bettis made it because of my number eight guy, which was Thurman Thomas. So my main thing was... So Thurman Thomas, right? The main What gives him the nod over Bettis? Obviously, I mean, he was an MVP running back. You know, Bettis, you know, other accolade, you know, won a Super Bowl ring, but it was at the end of his career... So it wasn't yeah. like he was, you know, prime prime bus. Right. Went in the ring. Thurman Thomas is an MVP caliber running back. But looking at the numbers of Thurman Thomas, he had the eight years in a row with over a thousand yards lasting all that time. Bettis, he didn't do it in a row, but he had that same total. And so looking at that. I just thought to myself, would that be fair if I gave the nod to Thurman with that accolade, but not Bettis? Yeah, but you could have you could have done that same thing with like Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin has ten thousand yard seasons, but mm-hmm. but still, no. I'm just saying. I mean, the bus has sixteen hundred yard season, fourteen hundred mm-hmm. season, fourteen hundred yard season, thirteen hundred season. You know, there's a lot of people who I think I do think that. Bettis is somewhat underrated. I think I underrate Bettis, honestly. Mm-hmm. That being said, I would I don't have him in mine, 
this isn't mine. <laughs> so Jerome Bettis 9 and Thurman Thomas Excuse me. took the 8th spot. Another thing that kind of held them back was the touchdown totals compared to other guys each only having the one season. Rushing touchdowns, that is. Each right, only having right. one season with 10-plus touchdowns. That kind of kept them in this lower area. Yeah, I mean, but they still has 91 rushing, yes. which still puts him really high on the all-time list. He was very, he was, he was consistent. And then number seven, six and seven were really tough to order. I, at the last minute, I put LT, Ladanian Tomlinson, at number seven. And at number six was Adrian Peterson. Yeah. I had them very close. They both had the same number of total 1,000 rushing yard seasons. And then, you know, you had Adrian Peterson, you know, each winning MVP as well. A AP with the 2,000 rushing yard season. And then LT with the 1,800 rushing yards and 28 rushing touchdown season. Both incredible. Yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, I have, I had Peterson eight, Tomlinson seven. And I, you know, other than the personal things that, you know, I said that knocked Peterson down, I like Peterson more than Tomlinson, but I put Tomlinson above him. So even though I did my rant on Tomlinson, realized that I did try to, you know, put that bias aside and I put him above a guy that I like more. Yeah. But I gave him the nod because, you know, for me, looking at it, I, I gave him the nod. So. But yeah, it's just funny. Like looking at yours, I'm like, yeah. I mean, I almost flipped them. <laughs> but you, know, you went from like the guys below up to LT, and you know the numbers just jump with his thousand yard seasons and with the rushing yards and the numbers he got up to. You know, at least fourteen hundred yards, one, two, three, four, five times. Yeah, and then thirteen hundred, twelve hundred. So we're getting up to like those type of numbers, and then the consistent double-digit rushing touchdown numbers for LT in his case yeah. really helped him get up there. Yeah, that's And why, Adrian Peterson, too. That's why he's above one of the reasons he's above. Like, he's second all-time in rushing touchdowns. Yes. You know, and that's a big deal. He, he got in the end zone a lot. And then, it's not easy. Then, yeah, AP with him, you know, you have his 2000-yard season after having a bit of a setback. Yeah, having a knee injury. Yeah, having a knee injury, coming back the way he did. Like, okay, he proved he could bounce back. To fall just short of He, he did it a couple times record. through his career. And then maybe, you know, not as much with the 1,400 and 1,300 yards like LT was. But still impressive numbers nonetheless. And also, I mean, Adrian Peterson played in half of the playoff games LT did. And their numbers are very similar. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, his numbers are right up there with LTs, and he only played in half the amount of playoff See, games. See, the way I looked at it, I looked at, you know, like, because LT's a better receiver than, yeah, definitely. than Peterson and than the more touchdowns. So Peterson's slight edge in the playoffs, I thought Tomlinson, for me, I gave Tomlinson the edge because of the touchdowns and the receiving. And and I couldn't play yeah, the what fair. if with Peterson. I couldn't play, well, what if he didn't get suspended? And what if this? Like, But you don't know what the wear and tear if he didn't get. It didn't have that time to rest while he was suspended. What it had done, he could still 
still be at the exact same numbers. It just looks different. So yeah, for me, that's why Tomlinson's ahead. Mm -hmm. And, and, and Peterson's player performance is better, but it's not way better. Like if it was, that's if true. It was like Thurman Thomas's numbers over, you know, like somebody else's numbers. Then yeah, it's like his numbers are way better. Like no, they're they're just slightly. And then number five, I have Eric Dickerson because oh. man, like these are ridiculous. How do you you come into the league? Just from the rushing perspective, 1,800 rushing yards, 18 touchdowns, 2,100 yards and 14 touchdowns right off the bat. You kind of go down a little bit, and then the 1,800 yards, 11 touchdowns, go down for a couple years, and then you bounce back with the 1,600 yards on a different team Yeah, with 14 touchdowns. Like, that's unbelievable. The And also, you know, made it to the All-Pros, five-time All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler. It was just, man, like, this is just ridiculous. Like, that's unbelievable, man. Yeah, I mean, not much of a receiving threat, but that's okay. He's so good at running the ball. He was so good. Yep. I and mean, I mean, like I just said, like at a loss for words, like, dang. Like, that's where he, he came in hot, and then maybe he didn't, like, I, get, I guess, maintain it. Like yeah, because of, on a consistent level, because but of those it didn't carries. go away. Like if you totally. look at this, obviously. So if any running back getting over 400 touches is crazy, right? First two years, regular season, he has over 400 touches. He has 390 yeah. rush yards and three or rushes 379 than the next year. And so the next year, he just a little bit of, there's a bit of a fall off because of the exhaustion of all that. Then the next year, 404 carries, not, yep. not even the catches. So then the next year, there's a little bit of a fall off. Like that's what happens to running backs. That's why you have to look at that playoff run from certain guys and realize that it affects them. And the guys who didn't have that, it affects them the opposite way. They got rest. And so, yeah, for him to still have that amazing seven seasons with all those carries is so impressive. Dickerson is amazing. It's like, man, that, like, all of that, and just like, yeah, he had to be, he had to be up there for me. Absolutely. My top four running backs, the Mount Rushmore of the running back position. I put Jim Brown at four as well. Obviously, I'm, you know, younger, so I definitely, you know, didn't see Jim Brown play in any capacity. But from what I see, and obviously what I hear, because you still hear his name come up so much. Yeah, I mean, that's just a testament to greatness, right? Yeah, still talking like, he's about He's so him. great. You're still talking about him. The numbers are wild. They're fantastic numbers. But, I mean, it does, like, doesn't have to play a part in, like, the competition and... I mean, come on, you're just as big as the guys you're running into. Whereas nowadays and later on down the years, that's not really the case. So it's like he still takes the pounding, obviously, over the years, but it's not the same when he's as big or bigger than the guys he's running into. Whereas the other guys like above him, they don't get that 
luxury. Yeah, and then just also, like we've talked about, the number of games, like his his body's not taking as many hits. So even if they would have played 16 games, he's still going against those smaller guys, but that's still going to take a toll. And so he's playing 12 game seasons for what, the first three or four seasons? And four then years. He jumps to, the, to 14 game seasons. And so and he retired because... You know, he could make more money outside of football and he you know by that time he's the all-time leading rusher he's a, way more touchdowns than anybody he has nothing else to prove he had a super bowl win he had nothing else to prove but you also wonder like was he just so exhausted and he was like done with football imagine if he had played 16 game season maybe he had retired earlier again i still think he has that many rush yards like if they played 16 game seasons he still has that many rushing yards with those last three years probably just look a little bit they'd still be impressive but they wouldn't look like 1800 14 15 they'd probably look more like 12 12 12 which mm-hmm. isn't i'm not saying is bad i'm just saying that's what happens with that wear and tear but yeah he was amazing there's no doubt about it number 3 and number 2 it's really tough to place i mean but well, and number one, but <sighs> Barry at three. Oh, you really did that. I did go Barry at three because I did, you know, want to emphasize how, you know, the wear and tear and being able to last long, you know, played a factor and out of the other guys that, you know, in the Mount Rushmore that are left, Barry, you know, he he was done earlier than those guys. So we don't know. And I can't just assume because right. that's not what this is about. This isn't about assuming it's about what you did. And what he did in this time was great. It Amazing. was fantastic. Barry Sanders, you know, if we're doing, you know, top talented running backs ever, he's, yeah. might, might put him at number one, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have like the Bo Jacksons, Earl Campbells, Gale yeah. Sayers, Barry Sanders. Get him in the open field and, you know, it's a, it's a wrap. No one wants to try to go tackle him because he's going to embarrass him most oh, of yeah. the time. Open field, like Gale Sayers, Barry Sanders, greatest of all time. Yeah. <laughs> no. Right. But that's not the only part of football. Being but yeah, you guy. have that and then he didn't. You know, okay, so let's 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 go back to the team talk. Okay, so. His team wasn't good. That's why maybe he didn't get to the playoffs as much as other guys. And that's why he didn't perform well. And that's the excuse you're going to give him. Okay. I'm trying to. Well, there's I'm guys trying to, on this I'm trying list to put that have this, less playoff games than him. I'm trying to put so this. How bad were their teams? In you know what I mean? The right way I want to express it. Wait for it. Dang, it's coming. Wait so, for it. How are you going to give him the spot up like he did live up to the playoff expectations and playoff performances with with the, like with going off of that assumption if his team wasn't good enough to give him a chance. He didn't get as Obviously, you said that there are guys with less on here, but... 
there's three guys that weren't, or yeah, yeah, Jim Brown, Adrian Peterson, and OJ Simpson all played in less playoff games. So okay, so mean, he didn't get. Does that mean that their teams were worse? It doesn't necessarily, but it's not to the point where you should be that people should be harping like they harp, like they yeah. say. So like, they okay, were okay, so absolutely awful, and the only reason they made it was Barry Sanders, and that's not true. Like, okay, so fine. He didn't get as much of a chance in the playoffs because of his team. So you can't give him that edge like he would have because he didn't get a chance to. Yeah, you're playing a what so, game. You can't play the what yeah, game because you don't and know. And I can't do that. That's kind of, and it's like with Jim Brown too. Okay, so what if he wasn't like the shoes of a barrier or Emmett with like the size of defenders and stuff in this day? I can't do that. You still could say, yeah, so, I think he'd be great. But yeah, you how think. great? You don't know. We didn't know. We didn't see. So I can't give him the nod to go above the other guys. Right. It wouldn't. Yeah. I yeah, couldn't personally. For some, for some people, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense in my eyes. And so Barry about, at three. We're talking about wear and tear. Barry Sanders, the most touches he had in a regular season was 383 which is a lot but he doesn't even sniff you know 400 or, or more than 380 only one other time like so his workload was a lot less yep so he you know you just stay fresher and i people just don't like again they don't talk about that enough like that matters a wear and tear it affects your body. It's amazing what he did. Like I said, you could have him number one. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with your with sometimes your reasoning as to why you want to talk about others on the list. But I mean, you might not like that reasoning for Barry Sanders. But I have other reasons I didn't get to. But let's yeah, you finish yours, and then we'll kind of run over everything. At number two, Walter Payton. Oh, we have the same top four. Walter Payton, obviously, since he lasted a little bit longer and had a bit more of the longevity and produced very well for most of those se seasons, minus like three. You know, one of that that one in the middle was a strike shortened season, mm -hmm. so it wasn't that. So he, he didn't get a chance to perform good. It was just that, yeah. But his rookie year and his last year were like, you know, not good seasons. Yeah, but every other but year in the middle. Those 11 years, come on. Mm -hmm. And I remember really checking out some of his highlights recently and just seeing him bounce off of tackles was ridiculous. And you want to talk about bad teams. Until, you know, he started off, they made the playoffs a couple times, and then they didn't make the playoffs for, what, eight, seven years, I think? Mm -hmm. And he's just carrying that load, and plus he's a great receiver. He was just, you know, a great all-around back, great blocker, great everything. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's amazing. <laughs> and yeah, some great Sweetness. seasons. He lasted as long as he did. We saw him go longer than Barry and produce like a top, the top running back that he is. What's well, top two in this <laughs> case? Or, yeah, I mean, but hey, you could have him one. Well deserving. But well deserving. I did give Emmett Smith my number one spot. And you know we, you know you talking about Emerson all the time because that's your boy, but, you know. So I I did have to make sure you know I'm like okay, 
This is my top 10. <laughs> yeah. So I got to look at it on my own. But I could go into more stuff like you went into, and I could also go into how he was going even longer as you know as long as Walter Payton a little bit longer technically but you know like we said he got to all-time rushing leader with yeah, the same amount of years take those so two years off and he's the it doesn't it doesn't really matter so I don't know why I people guess. even talk about it, it doesn't make any difference <laughs> but I'm gonna go back to my other I'm gonna use my other our other lists for this reasoning okay who is my number one quarterback who was it oh Tom Brady Brady Top tier uh, regular season career stats, head and shoulders above every other quarterback with playoff success. Yep. Jerry Rice, my number one receiver. Regular season, postseason. Career regular season stats, head and shoulders above receivers in playoff statistics. Emma Smith's the same thing. Top tier career numbers at his position, pretty much head and shoulders above. All the other... Everybody on this list. Everybody on this list. I mean, Thurman's the only one who's close to him in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But so Dickerson, why sh- why should that change? Dickerson has... That's why Emmett's number one on my list. It, no. And that's great reasoning. And that's reasoning that some people are going to agree with, and but most are going to not for some reason. People will say, well, these guys are more talented. But there are more talented quarterbacks than Tom Brady. There's oh, yeah. more talented receivers than Jerry Rice. But they're just the best. And so is Emmett. And the proof is in the pudding. In the playoffs, just like you said, in the playoffs, in, in the top tens that we did, in, even if you put Bettis in there, it doesn't change what I'm about to say. Only Thurman Thomas is close to Emmett in postseason statistics. The next one is Dickerson at 742. Emmett has 1,586 rushing yards in the postseason. Yeah. That's more than double Dickerson. 19 touchdowns rushing. And, you know, okay, I, I mentioned Barry. Like, okay, his team wasn't good enough to... Six playoff games, five years in the playoffs, half his career. Get him. Like, that's what people want to use, right? And then you want to say MS team was good enough. He got there. Okay, he, not, he got there, and he performed. Yep. His... So, I mean... You ready for this? I wanted to say this on mine, but I ran out of time. In the playoffs, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, and Jim Brown have played in a combined... 19 games for 337 attempts, 1,259 yards, a 3.74 average per carry. These are guys that Jim Brown and Barry Sanders average over five for their career. And Walter Payton's like 4.3. Mm-hmm. Combined, they average 3.74 for four touchdowns. Emmett Smith, 17 games, 349 attempts, 1,586 yards, a 4.5 yard per carry average, and 19 touchdowns. He improves in the playoffs after 10 seasons his uh average per carry was 4.3 while barry's was five he endured the most wear and tear of during those that, guys everyone look span. at the mount rushmore in his time the most yep wear and tear it's ridiculous and he was continuously producing like the best you want to say his teams are better jim brown was on great teams and went to three championship games also so why don't you look at Jim Brown in that same way? Why do people always attack Emmett, but they don't attack Jim Brown with those, you know, like I'm just I'm just being fair. Exactly. And Emmett. And that's who you should be. People use these myths and and I say myths, but they're just exaggerations. Yeah. There exaggerations you go. Mm-hmm. for Barry Sanders, and then they just 
knock Emmett stuff aside and they just say, well, well, that's just because. That's because his team was better. No, you still have to perform. Again, Jim Brown had great teams. And he didn't perform. But you'll put Jim Brown above Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith performed. It, he performed better than any running back in the playoffs on this list. And Thurman Thomas was dang close. And most people don't have him in that list. Because why? Because they only look at the regular season. And it's ridiculous. Or they look at the talent. <clears throat> they want to just say talent, which, yeah, talent's great. I love talent too. That, Like I said, I, mean, I love Earl Campbell. I love Gail Sayers. But if they had more seasons under their belt, if, you know, if Gail Sayers, he has seven seasons. If all seven were great, like, for example, like, Sterling Sharp, I have in my top 10 because he had seven healthy seasons. Five of them are all world, and then two others are really, really solid seasons. You know, one is a rookie year for receivers back then. His season for a rookie was really good. Mm -hmm. If Gail Sayers has two seasons that are, you know, really, really good, you know, really solid seasons, he's probably in my top 10. Probably even without the playoff performance, but playoff performance would really put him in there. Same thing with Earl Campbell. Like, if he's like Dickerson, Dickerson has you know, those seven seasons. You know, he has five seasons over 1,300 yards, same with Earl Campbell. But then he has two more 1,200-yard seasons while Earl Campbell drops to seven. Mm -hmm. And then Dickerson has playoff success on top of it, more than his playoffs is better than Campbell. So so he gets that nod. You know, you have to, to do that. You can't just say, oh, well, I think Walter Berry and Jim are more talented because you like their running style and you didn't necessarily think Emmett's was great. But I remember Michael Irvin talking about it. He'd said, what's so special about him the first time he saw him? And then after watching him, you know, playing with him and seeing it, he says, he makes it look like it's nothing. And really, it's everything. And I'm like, exactly! Like, that's exactly Emmett. You watch him and you kind of go, I mean... They mu there's something you want to make excuses to why he's doing what he's doing. And so that's what you do. And you can't just admit that he's doing what he's doing because he's great. Yeah. He has great vision, great balance, great power. He might ha not have great speed, but his burst through the hole was exceptional. He had patience. He set up blocks. He didn't like people will watch highlights. And, you know, a lot of times you see highlight reels where they only show like plays where that. The line did happen to block great. Look, I tell you all the time how there's runs where Barry Sanders got hit in the backfield. But remember the other day I showed you that top 50 run by Barry Sanders? And at the beginning, like all of them had huge holes. And I was like, I keep waiting for the ones with the with, where he's juking people in the backfield. But there haven't been any yet. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there's a lot of them. I've seen them. I was just trying to show Jalen here how Barry would have to juke people. And the video I found, he wasn't juking anybody because like I said, it wasn't as bad as he made it seem. It just wasn't, you're comparing him to Emmett. So you're like, well, the Cowboys were great and the Lions sucked. And it was like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. The, Lion, the Lions weren't great. They were good. While Emmett had a great team for four years and he had some great teammates, but he didn't have great teams every year. They were mm -hmm. great for four years. And he had other great seasons. You know, so Barry and Emmett always get compared, obviously. <clears throat> but everybody goes to the 2000 season. I go to the 93 season. That proves, you know, Emmett's greatness. And and gives kind of gives me the edge. Puts Emmett over Barry. 93, 
Emmett doesn't play the first two games because of, you know, not having a contract. Cowboys go 0-2. You know, this is coming off the Super Bowl season. They're 0-2. Everybody says anyone can run through that line. How come nobody was running through that line? They didn't run the ball good. They looked awful. He comes back. <clears throat> he wins the MVP. He only had 1,484 yards rushing that season. I say only because people will say he only has three seasons over 1,500 yards rushing. That's some of the stupidness I hear people say. And I'm like, well, he led the NFL in rushing that year and he won the MVP. So who cares if he didn't have 1,500 yard rushing? Yeah. He didn't even score 10 touchdowns rushing that year. He had nine. He was the MVP because they looked completely like trash without him. And then they were the best team in the league when he got there. Then that's also the season he has his game against the Giants. Everybody knows that game. I don't have to, you know, go into it. But you know what other what they forget? Well, so he separates his shoulder in that game. Do you think he was healthy in the playoffs? He had a separated shoulder. That doesn't heal in a week. Yeah. He played through the playoffs with a separated shoulder. He won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. Barry Sanders missed five games. It was a great season. He had 1,100 yards in 11 games. But why does this season stand out? Those five games, the Lions went three and two without him because it happened at the end of the season and made it into the playoffs. Then he was healthy. He was rested. He has his only 100-yard playoff game. They lose, but they proved that they were better than everybody said. They, they got into the playoffs without him, while the Cowboys proved they weren't as great without Emmett. Yeah. So that should have proved that you don't have to make these excuses. You either like Emmett or you like Barry. It's to me, it's Emmett. Greatest of all mm -hmm. time. To you. I put Emmett at number one. All right. Emmett Smith, greatest running back of all time. Put a stamp on it. Drop the mic again. <laughs> and we're back. Oh. Just like that. And I went to switching gears. Some wrestling updates. He got backlash coming up, and they got. Oh yeah. They added a Braun Strowman into the WWE title match. Oh boy. Okay. That's gonna be. I don't. I don't know what to expect in that match. I'm getting scared again. That. I. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. But I don't really They're like. They're keeping where it's us going. on our toes. <laughs> Not in a good way. And then. Of course, on SmackDown, you had the Universal Championship match with Roman and Daniel. And, you know, kind of like everyone expected, Roman came out on top. Although, it was a fantastic match. Like, you you should check it out, too. It was really good. But now, where do, where does Daniel go from here? That's kind of my question. Like, he just goes to he, Raw. <laughs> he goes over to Raw, like, okay, you know, that makes sense. Okay. But it's like, hmm, I've seen to NXT possibly... Does he is his contract about to expire? Hmm. Is he was that his just his last match in general? See, so I would hate to see like you know he says he's done with WWE and then he goes somewhere else. Not not that I again like we talked about this before. Like I don't think he's been wronged by WWE or anything like that. He's talked about wanting to you know retire sooner than people thought, and so. When you say things like that, and then maybe then you don't get used the way that you think you should be used. I'm like, isn't that kind of your fault for saying that you weren't going to be around? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just I 
I kind of just want to see him stay in WWE. Not that I'd have any problem with him going anywhere else. I just think that then people would be like, that's because they weren't using him right. I'm like, I don't know. I think they viewed Daniel yeah. Bryan overall after the initial not using him good at first. He's been amazing. Like, yeah. And everything's been great. So we'll see what happens. It's a weird situation. We just won't know until, you know, he says pretty much. Yeah. And then some interesting stuff going on over in AEW. They're having their first... Um, it's it's War Games. That's what it is, but they have it under a different name. But they're having their first War Games match on Dynamite this upcoming Wednesday with Inner Circle and the new group, The Pinnacle, which should be interesting to watch. I saw... Did... I did have a question. Did the original War Games... Did it used to have a roof? Yeah. Okay. It was, I, and it wasn't even very high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember thinking, I mean, they could literally just reach up and grab it. Like it's like, monkey bars? Yeah. <laughs> I did see, they had like, uh, they made a graphic for it. And like in the background with the group, there's like the rings in the cage and it had a roof on it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, that's not the NXT didn't do that. No. So they added that back. So that's. Yeah, that is pretty cool, actually, because you just get that feel. like Yeah, original. I thought of it in Plus, my head. It made, like, a, huh. it made it a little grittier. You know? Yeah, right. And so that's perfect for AEW because it's a little grittier. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that. I saw it. I'm like, wait, didn't it used to be like that originally? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're seeing more use of the AEW New Japan like partnership type of thing. I, in, not this Dynamite, the next Dynamite. After the War Games match stuff, Moxie's going to defend his IWGP title on Dynamite against a New Japan superstar. And then, now, and then now you bring in like all three of them. At the next Impact pay-per-view, Kenny Omega is going to team with the Good Brothers to take on... I think they're the current Impact Tag Team Champions, but they're also New Japan superstars, Finn Juice and Impact wrestler Eddie Edwards. So they're really starting to use the stuff to their advantage as, you know, we're kind of getting back into normalcy slowly. Yeah, it's, So it makes doing this stuff easier. Yeah. It's funny, though. Like, So I've been hearing that, you know, there's some impact people that don't really like what's going on and at first i was just kind of like uh, but the more and more they keep doing it i'm like i can kind of see why they're mad. I, I see because yeah. you know you came here to be a player on this show and now you got other people from another company coming in and yes it's getting ratings but you're like it, you gotta feel like some of those guys in wwe who don't get the time that everybody complains like well you should go somewhere else they'll treat you better but you're like yeah, but now look what's happening over there. Like, yeah. if I go to Impact, they might not use me because they're using Kenny and they're using, you know, <laughs> the Young Bucks to come over here and take our pay-per-view spots. and our. So, though I do think overall it is cool, doesn't it in a way, you know, isn't it in a way what WWE does to the, the talent that you want to see? Aren't isn't Yeah, what they, you can make a case. Yeah, so it's like, it's weird. 
it just shows you that sometimes as wrestling fans, the things we complain about, like you, you, you should probably pump the brakes a little bit because there's, there's reasons and there's things to it. And there's more to it than what we just see on the surface. And I also didn't even realize this didn't happen yet when on, on the last episode, but Kenny Omega won the impact world title. I yeah. totally forgot. It didn't even happen yet last week when we were, yeah, it happened pod. right after, right? Yeah. Yep. So Kenny Omega adding more belts to his collection. It's funny, though. Like, I mean, Unfortunately, I, I heard the match. I think it's cool, but I'm not a big fan of Swan. Like, I don't. Yeah. I, I feel I it, saw someone not trying to be mean, but I just feel nothing when he comes out, when he does anything. I don't care. Someone kind of like with their take saying how they just didn't think he was able to hang with Omega in the ring. And I saw like they tried to do like a few like spots from the top rope, but they like botched them. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's not good. I still saw some cool highlights for them after. I'm like, oh, that kind of sucks. That that kind of puts a damper in it a little bit. Okay, got it. I mean, I just that, that's disappointing. Yeah, but whatever. <laughs> um. So you have like on NXT Raquel Gonzalez pretty much set to be most likely defending against Mercedes Martinez in a first defense. But they're really I don't know if she's a heel or a face. Who Mercedes like, or Raquel? Raquel. They're doing it so weird like they she wins the belt and like she does the one thing where she's like cutting a promo. She's gets interrupted by uh Frankie Monet Jackie Monet, whatever you want to call Jackie it. Jackie Monet. <laughs> so Frankie kind of comes off with her character as like such a heel. So like, okay, that would make Raquel the face in this situation. And then they did the stuff with Rhea and Bianca on NXT when they brought them out to have that like feel good right, right. moment. And you're like, their face. Well, no, no, Bianca's the only face of the three though. Well, I don't know because I think on, on Raw when Rhea came out, they had the Thunderdome. They had the Thunderdome crowd cheering for Rhea. Yeah, but so I mean, just because you're, but she, when she debuted on Raw, she was a heel. Like I think people are just excited to see her, but I think it was pretty clear that she was supposed to be know. a heel. Well, maybe they've switched it because they're like they just keep cheering for her. Yeah, you know what I mean. They that happens sometimes. I mean, she wasn't dissing the crowd, but like the way she was acting towards Oscar and stuff like that, like she was a heel. <laughs> but yeah, they do that, and then Martinez is having a match with Kai, and Raquel attacks Martinez during the match. And like on the outside of the ring, Raquel tried to attack her while the ref was distracted. So I'm like, okay, I'm. <laughs> I don't know. Doing? Like, you know, like that's a weird. Like, I like Raquel, and I like that she's champion. This is a weird start because I don't know how I'm. Like, what is she? Yeah. What are you? What are you? <laughs> um, what should be interesting on the next NXT, Shotzi and Ember are gonna defend their titles against Candace and Indy in, in like a street fight type of match. So that should be really fun. Um all right, all right. we got the cameo everybody wanted on NXT with the Ted DiBiase <laughs> and Cameron Grimes. I saw that. Oh well, actually yes. no, I didn't see. I just saw like you saw he was pictures there. on Twitter. So I actually wanna see it. 
I need to watch. I, I for especially with the draft and everything. Like I just and I was trying to get my you know top ten list yeah. all squared away and things that I wanted to make note of, and so I just didn't watch pretty much anything wrestling. But yeah, that happened. I was like, yes, we needed this. Um, apparently there's some new. They did a vignette for something coming up called Diamond Mine. There's speculation for okay. it being a group, most likely. Like, okay, that's All interesting, right. I guess. Um, I thought it was interesting how they're kind of like teasing some like tension with Imperium, with hmm. the other not Walter, but the other guys that are on NXT. Right, because you have Wolf kind of doing the stuff with Killian Dane. They had a moment uh, during, I think Imperium was facing Dane and Maverick. Wolf was about to hit Dane with the chair, but he like hesitated and he didn't do it. And then after the match, Imperium go up on the ramp, they do their pose. And then Wolf like steps in front of the two. And then the other guys kind of like give each other a look like, what is he doing? And then step back in front of him. Huh. So I'm like, huh, are they going to, like, is, you know, are they going to boot Wolf out of Imperium or something? Yeah, which, you know, we talk about breaking up people that they shouldn't break up. That's fine, because you you can still have Imperium and just be three. Yeah, because that's what it was, because Wolf wasn't in Imperium initially. Exactly. It was those three. So so it would make sense if he was booted. I'm just, I wasn't expecting them to go this route a, with those guys. A three-man tag between Dane and Wolf and Drake against yeah. Imperium. Which would be interesting, especially you know, with Drake in that. Oh, Get Drake in there with Walter. Oh no! Give me what I want. I want to see Walter destroy him, and that's not to be mean to Drake. Oh Maverick, my gosh! Because I, I like that little. Could you guy. imagine him taking a chop from Walter? Oh, he'd like probably do it like a complete flip. I know. Oh see, man! See now we gotta see this. Ugh. Yeah, can we? I, can this lead to that? <laughs> I want to do like they do like a promo where Walter comes out and Drake tries to like step up to him or something. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh man, yeah, I need that to happen now. Yep. But yeah, just under stuff to look out for in wrestling. A lot of like progressing things going on, mainly with AEW and NXT. Well, yeah, I mean that's what it should be anyway, right? I mean you're supposed to build. Raw, I mean, Raw and SmackDown is too, but Raw is yeah, but Raw. You know, like we always talk about, what WWE does with Raw and SmackDown although is they try to fill too R much. RK Bro is great. I'm down for RK Bro. <laughs> well, I will see, that's say the thing. they're trying to do these things that are entertaining because you know you again everything is we look at everything on the surface. When you're already fans of wrestling, right? You want just things to be good. You want them to build good stories, to build to great matches, and them to even be great stories. But it's also a TV show, and they're trying to get ratings, and they want people to turn the channel and watch it. So they're also trying to do entertainment. Mm -hmm. So they have to take these chances to try to do things to get people who aren't wrestling fans to watch. So they do all these things that fans are like, these are stupid. Why are you doing this? Well, that's why. And then it takes away from stories and other things. And it's like, if they just did what AEW and what NXT does, which is build the stories and the matches, Raw and SmackDown would be better. But they're trying to, they got these slots and 
USA and Fox, they want them to do certain things, mm -hmm. and so they got to do it. So it's not completely always WWE's fault that they do the things that they do. It is their fault because they have those shows, you know, yeah. and they so, have I mean, those contracts, yeah. but they have to appease, you know, and then yep. they're also trying, like I said, they're trying to keep people entertained. They don't want it to be boring. Not everybody enjoys the great strong promo and a great match they need and when i say a great match like for me it doesn't it doesn't mean high flying match it could be a match where the story builds with holds and you know with just all the great things about a good to me just a good wrestling match like watching christian wrestle it's just great wrestling as opposed to watching you know I'm, and this isn't a shot at like the young bucks but or you know some of the just more up-tempo style now, but it's just spot, 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 which is fine. I, that's entertaining too. I I do like it, but I'm just saying there's a difference. Some people, yeah. they just want the Young Bucks type style. And, 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 and I don't mean that as a knock. Again, people say Young Bucks can do other styles. I know, but I'm just saying like, when you think of them, most people think, Fast pace, high flying. Yeah. And so super, that's what I pick. mean. I don't mean that they can't do that pace because I know they can. But I like all of it, but not everybody does. And so WWE tries to, they try to mix it. And they also try to mix in all this comedy that doesn't really work. Not that AEW, AEW, AEW. Did I just say? AEW. Root beer. Love it. Good stuff. AEW wrestling. With the get the bear, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The I'll bear like the that, stage. Used, they the have bear like a that giant used to stand outside a of the A and W. Yeah, like a giant A and W can. I like the stage. <laughs> I mean, why hasn't that been a cross promotion? Come on, how That's come they haven't sponsored like a wrestling event to get that thing? A little bit of the root beer bubbly. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, um, what did you just say? You you heard me. <laughs> um, root beer is bubbly. Come on, so. uh yeah, I forgot what I was talking about. Oh, but anyways, I like, I I like you know those slow, not slow matchups. You know what I mean? Just good yeah. old-fashioned wrestling matches. Just you ground and pound, and just you know, kind of like the uh, FTR style. Like I yeah, like, I like that stuff, and not everybody does. And you know, you have to find the right mix and all that stuff. And people just don't have the patience and. And then, you know, Vince is Vince. So then you get WWE Raw and SmackDown, which can be just a, a mess. But still have really good stuff. You just have to Roman make it Daniel. out of three-hour <laughs> and two-hour shows. So anyways, that all for wrestling? Yeah, that's pretty much all I got for this week. Uh, next, do a quick little MCU. I don't got too much. A little MCU and maybe just a recap. Anyway, here we go. MCU talk. Not, not much. I mean, I just wanted to talk about how there's a lot of shows filming. You know, Falcon Winter Soldier ended. We watched the making of, which is really cool yeah. last night. And, you know, I see Moon Knight has started filming. Uh, Miss, the Miss Marvel Disney Plus show has been filming, but the pictures leaked today of, uh, sorry, I don't want to butcher the actress's name, the young lady who's playing Kamala Khan in her miss marvel outfit so if you haven't seen those yet you know go check it out on twitter's looks awesome yes it does comic book accurate and you're just like oh yep she's that, kamala khan yep that's you her know, it's just awesome 
and uh you know we got uh what other oh dang it thor love and thunder is filming uh doctor strange in the multiverse of madness is filming like so you got all these things i mean we are just so it's so funny that we go from nothing going on and you're waiting a year and like there's nothing and you're just all you're doing is the speculation and you're talking about all the castings and there's been more castings and the only reason i'm not really mentioning it is because we're not in that time as before where we just needed to talk about everything because nothing was going on and now oh all this stuff is going on like we've got these shows that we've already seen and now all these things are filming now you know loki comes out you know in just over a month yeah and then you're going to get black widow and you know then all these then these other shows are going to start dropping because you know they're going to be wrapped filming in no time you know i mean hawkeyes if it's not wrapped it's very close to being wrapped you know and so and then um i believe even she hulk has started filming if it hasn't started filming it's about to be like within you know a couple weeks so it's just so exciting to be like, man, all this stuff is filming and we're getting it like in a year. Yes. Yeah, within the year, like almost all those shows I name are either going to be out or just about to be out. And that doesn't include, you know, like I said, Black Widow hasn't come out yet. Eternals is coming out. Shang-Chi, you know, that trailer. Oh yeah, the trailer dropped. Know, I think, did we, I thought we talked about the trailer last week. But Did it, it come out a week ago? I believe so. I thought we talked about it. If not, we watched the Shang-Chi trailer and it was awesome. <laughs> it was and, cool. They're not calling what I what I heard is they're not calling the the dad or whatever, the Mandarin, or at least they're because of what happened before, they used the name before, so they might not be calling him the Mandarin, but he is the Mandarin. Like, you know what I mean? Okay. Like well, because they... They're just like, in, because, the, in the movie, they're just gonna... He's gonna go by something else? I, yeah, I think he just goes by his name. Okay. Whatever, like... Because I don't... I mean, I'd have to really think about it or try to look it up. I can't remember if the... I don't think the Mandarin's name is the Mandarin. I think that's what he called himself. Kind of like, Tony Stark is Iron Man. He's the... So now... They they're just, on his birth certificate? They're just doing... No, I mean, I'm pretty sure. His parents didn't. They didn't. They're like, you're gonna grow up to be Iron Man. We know it. I was talking about the Mandarin. Well, I mean, either way. But either way, so it applies. The Mandarin. The first name, the last name, Mandarin. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so yeah, they're from what I've heard, but that doesn't mean anything. That just maybe at the end of it, they say it. But that that's what wouldn't make sense to me. It's like. From the previews, you can see like he's in present time, but then they also do kind of like a flashback thing. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't they just call him the Mandarin? You're not going to call him it at the very end. That doesn't make sense. Just say it at the beginning. So it doesn't look like they're giving him that name because they already used it in the cinematic universe. So but either way, it doesn't necessarily matter. But yeah, that's going to be out. Spider-Man 3, I mean, and yeah, that's still filming. So yeah, I mean, that's another one. Like you've got what seven things filming right now or just about to be if she hulk isn't officially and then what i say four things that are coming out that are already filmed <laughs> you know like that's crazy i mean uh so yeah there's not 
too much to say casting wise you just go we are very blessed things are just coming and oh that's what i was gonna say so after because we did i'm pretty sure we did talk about it because we talked about captain america 4 being announced and uh, malcolm spellman also said that there are things that disney just hasn't announced yet and it's and uh, you know we kind of oh yeah, yeah because yeah. because you just can't announce things until certain shows come out you know you can't sit there and announce a show because if you do that it's a spoiler yeah so they didn't announce captain america 4 before falcon winter soldier even though they were obviously planning on doing a you know a captain america 4 but they had to wait until after sam is revealed and so you know they didn't want to spoil it even though i think every comic book fan knew that he was going to get it but there are people you know they don't follow it as much or all they follow is the cinematic universe and that's the only comic references they have so they're like is sam gonna take the shield you know so they don't know so yeah so he says like there's all these announcements that they haven't made yet there's projects that are you know that kevin feige has that he just hasn't announced yet so he's like yes announce these hurry up and make these shows so we can hear what these are but yes but even then, we don't need that because we have all this great content coming very soon. Going to be awesome. I can't wait. I just bought my last, the last copy of the U.S. Agent, number five by Christopher Priest. So that storyline is over. Really good. Go, go buy it. Next time I'll see my boy U.S. Agent is in the uh, United States of Captain America series that's coming out uh, next month. Uh, what? Yeah, started June. It's the 80th anniversary of Captain America comics, and they're doing one where him, Sam, Bucky, and the U.S. agent kind of go on a go on a road trip, I guess. <laughs> they Buddy got, cop. They got a little little mission, so check that out. Uh, other than that, that's really all the MCU stuff. We're just gonna throw some other stuff on the end here because the Seahawks made their sixth round pick they traded up so yes they traded away their seventh round pick you had they initially in the was the fourth round yeah the fourth round the they fourth traded. round they traded back a few spots to rack up another draft pick along with another team's fourth round pick which they used to get a cornerback trey brown and then just now they decided to trade up with those remaining picks so they could select stone Forsyth. Forsyth? Forsyth? Sure. He's six, I, eight. Yeah, he's tackle a, a six Florida. foot eight lineman from Florida. And again, like I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about stupid Mel Kuypers real quick again because we talked about this last week in the podcast. We said what three positions did they need? Wide receiver, quarterback, offensive line. What did they draft? Wide receiver, quarterback, offensive, offensive line. line. What Mel Kuyper talking about they need? Friggin' tight end defensive end just now he had a couple of those things on there but uh, he's such a moron i hate that man so, so i like what i'm seeing about him so far you got what Mel on, Kiper? no no i know i'm just <laughs> definitely not Mel Kiper. so on the espn site that you got loaded up you had one pre-draft analysis say he has the body control to stay in front of and the length to keep defenders off his frame and pass protection he's quick and athletic enough to get into position there is just room for improvement when it comes to sustaining blocks in the run game. Because he's so tall. So he's so know? tall. That's like the same. six foot eight. Which like I, I love that we just drafted this huge. You've pass always liked lineman. 
the tall guys. But like for me, the first thing that was like the first thing when we saw the pick and you said how tall he was, I was like, you know, with tall guys, there can be issues. Usually, like there are, you know, tall offensive linemen who have turned out to be great. But usually because they're so tall, they can have a tough time. You know, guys get low. Guys are lower, so they have that leverage. So if he can learn how to, you know, stay low and counteract that leverage and be good in the run game, yeah, I mean, he could be great. I did but see apparently many analysts, he was, he was projected a third-round pick, and we got him in the sixth. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that seems pretty good to me. Well, and then think about if you're the Seahawks. Usually, they take a third round guy in the first. <laughs> yeah, I know they really do <laughs> when it comes to offensive linemen. They got the third round guy in the sixth. What? So you know, I'm I'm very happy with it. I'm happy with their what they did with their three picks, especially just what you said. Like, so in the second round, you you know when you're thinking of need i think most people would have wanted them to take an offensive lineman first yeah and i i would have been fine with that but i've been harping on receiver for a couple years now so for me i kind of like the receiver thing and then you know you think they're going to take the offensive lineman second but they end up getting him last but just like we found out he's a guy who was projected three rounds higher than he went so i that's kind of why i see why they traded up they were like wait a second he's still there like, let's get him because he could literally come off the board any second. Yeah. So let's go get him. And then, you know, you're where you are. Like I said, a set, they, they traded away their seventh. That pick that they get with the seventh, they could end up getting the guy that they have projected there in the undrafted pool. Yeah, because we, we talked about that so many times about the undrafted pool. Exactly. So, I mean, so I'm yeah, very happy. Like, even though they, tra- they got an extra pick out of four, they said, well, I mean, let's just go back up, stick with three, and get this possible steal of a guy right here yep that was projected to go way earlier and then we'll grab our rest of our guys and undrafted free agency you know the only complaint i'd have really had about their offseason was the jaron reed thing and but after you know, and just like i said we'll see how everything plays out now i've seen how this offseason has played out and the draft has played out i'm not mad about that like you still have to play, take a wait and see approach to what happens with the defensive line but just overall, like everything that they've done and making the moves that they made when they had no cap space and doing with, and we don't even know what they're going to do with the free agent draft mm-hmm. pool, you know, and then there's still possible free agents they can sign. But and right I now, mean, KJ's like, still a free agent right now. So is Sherm, which by the way, Sherm, did you yeah. see the 49ers are now saying they're not against bringing him back? Oh yeah. Oh boy. So, so, you know, Sherm's got going to have options, but yeah, I mean, if anybody has so Dwayne any, uh... Eskridge, Trey Brown, and Stone last name Stone in the or the Seahawks draft class. Yep, and I mean, I hope you guys liked our top tens. I know that I know I did. I know a lot of people are gonna <laughs> you know debate. I know a lot of people don't put Emmett Smith high, and I want to kind of end on these notes too because. Um, I don't think I think a lot of people just go with whatever said. Like if you will Google, you know, Google it, you'll see people who don't really know anything about any of it. Like they just go by what other people say. They're like, "Well, yeah, well, all these people say this." And they don't put any research into it at all. They don't look at it. I lived during that time, you know, those the 
Okay, I saw the end of Walter Payton's career. I didn't see the whole, but I saw a ton of highlights on top of the end. So I, you know, I could make a pretty good judgment on, you know, a Walter Payton. I watched every, almost any game ever in Barry Sanders and Emmitt Smith's career that was on TV, I watched. And, yeah. you know, and the Cowboys, I saw a lot because they were America's team. And when you're going to Super Bowls, you know, you're on TV all the time. I mean, and then, and then during the 90s, the Seahawks got blacked out a lot. Mm-hmm. And usually it was the Cowboys that they would show, especially if it was on Fox. If, if their game was going to be on Fox and it got uh, blacked out, then, you know, it was Cowboys game. But, I mean, I saw them play so many times. They're amazing. I, I love those three backs are my top three because, again, I saw them. It's kind of like I talk about with the basketball thing. I don't put Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain above Bird Magic in Jordan because I saw those guys and they were so amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I have to see it to really believe that they could possibly be better. And since I can't, and you can say highlights, but I've watched all the highlights Mm -hmm. and it didn't do it justice, you know? So, but anyways, like, you know, I, I implore people to look, really look it up themselves. Like, just like Jalen here. I've talked about him. He said he had to look it up himself. He had to go and look at the numbers and look at everything and watch the highlights. And he did it himself. I was sitting right here when he was doing his his last four. And I was writing them down because I wanted to just have it written down because I don't always remember what we said on the yeah, podcast. Right. Yeah, and I so I want to have it written down. And so when you got to four, I'm like, all right. Like I'm getting ready. I'm going to write any one of those names. And when ours ended up the same, I was shocked because, you know, you got, you're going to be looking at all these things and everybody's different. Like you put a lot of emphasis on thousand yard seasons, now, all, but all these guys have a ton of thousand yard seasons, mm-hmm. right? So you've got to find those things that separates them. And for some people, it's just the highlight reel. Like they watch how Barry Sanders runs and they love it. They watch Walter Payton. And, you know, he has a specific run style too, and they just love it. Jim Brown, almost everybody nowadays, it's just because of what everybody else says, you know, and that's okay. I don't, but I just think, you know, if you're going to tell me that Jim Brown is definitely better than Emmett because everybody else said so, I, that's ridiculous. Like you have to look it up. You can still put him above him, but if you're going to tell me that Emmett isn't in the top four, you're crazy. I mean... Just like I said, one day we're going to do one where we're just going to talk about the greatness of Emmett Smith and the things that people say and how I can dispute it. I've done it. I have a folder full of everything that I've ever heard anybody say about Emmett Smith and how I can either debuke it or, you know, there might be a point, but there's a counterpoint. You know, base that's what it is. Point, counterpoint. You know, it's like you mm-hmm. guys say this, but then there's this or there's this, or there's this, you know, and it's never that way. Like, and I only started doing this. I was telling Jalen this yesterday. The only reason I ever started to do this was because people started dissing Emmett Smith and because they were trying to say, you know, in their defense of Barry Sanders. And I always thought it was stupid. I'm like, you don't have to do that. Barry Sanders stuff stands on its own. You can just say Barry's the best. But if I, when I say Emmett's the best, like people go, what? And then they, they say a bunch of stupid, untrue things. And it made me mad. I'm like, what you're saying isn't true. Like people will point. I'll do some of it right now because we got time. Let's finish this out. 
mm -hmm. with talking running backs. Yeah. So so people will say, well, you know, Barry played only 10 years and, you know, Emmett played this many. So Barry played, you know, just say if he played 13, let's just say, then he has a <clears throat> he he'll he will have so many more yards. And okay, but yards isn't the only thing, right? Like you guys have established that by saying, well, just because Emmett's the all-time leading rusher doesn't mean he's the best. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I didn't say that. You know, so let's just go 10 years, right? After 10 years, Barry Sanders at 1,500 or 15,269 yards, 99 touchdowns. Emmett Smith has 13,963 yards, 136 touchdowns. So Barry's got him by um, just over 1,300 yards rushing. Emmett has him by 37 touchdowns. Now you're going to complain the team thing, but we're first of all, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this situation, and we can do the team thing later. But again, we'll, we could... I didn't even include playoffs in there. If I include Emmett's playoff yards, I'm adding 1,500 yards and 19 touchdowns. And with Barry, I'm adding 386 and one touchdown. So, and then I'm, you know, he's got three Super Bowl rings. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so what are what are we really looking at here? You're you're just gonna say and argue the teams, the teams, the teams. But I'm just gonna look at, you know. I'm going to look at a few things. I'm going to say not every one of those 10 years was Emmett on a great team. You know, you could say four of them for sure. I'll give you five just because the year before you become great, you're pretty dang good. You don't just go from nothing to great, but you're still building. Like 91, the Cowboys were not great. They went 11 and five. Guess what the Lions went that year? 12 and four. Guess who the Lions beat in the playoffs? 38 to six. The Dallas Cowboys. So the Cowboys weren't great. Barry's team was better. They weren't better on paper. Somebody's going to say, no, this this guy and this team, and look, and he had him, and da-da-da-da-da, and they're going to compare that. And I'm like, they had a better record. They demolished him in the playoffs. They were better that year. There's, there's nothing else that you can say. Don't give me names. That doesn't mean anything, does it? What, if two teams play in the Super Bowl on paper – one might look way better. Mm -hmm. Who wins? That's what matters, right? <laughs> you know. So they had a better record, and they demolished them in the playoffs. They were better, just not on paper. Now, the next four years, the Cowboys become great. The Lions are not great. Maybe they're only good a couple of those years. The other five seasons, they're comparable. Not talent-wise. You could say, the again, because you're going to name these names, but I just showed you in 91 how that doesn't matter all the time. It's not names. It's the team effort. And besides, again, I've told you, Barry Sanders had Herman Moore, Brent Perryman, Chris Spielman, a great defensive player, Jerry Ball, Benny Blades. He had Pro Bowl teammates on his team also. Not as good, but still good. Like I, could, like I said, like you can do all these things. Their numbers are very comparable. What separates it? You know, for me, it's not even necessarily separating. It's preference, really. I think Emmett's better. You think Barry's better. That's fine. That's all we got to, you know, what we should be able to do is just have the conversation. Be like, yes, he was great. I prefer Emmett. 
I prefer Barry. Cool. Let's just talk about how great they are. Mm -hmm. Let's not talk about why you guys want to diss Emmett. So then I'm going to mention that Barry Sanders has more negative run, more large yards lost than anybody in history. But because what's that really matter? He still has 15,000 yards. So what's that really matter? What's it really matter that Emmett Smith had a, you know, a great offensive line for four years when we don't mention that against about Eric Dickerson and Jim Brown, what's it really matter? It doesn't, it doesn't everybody. They were amazing. Amazing. And if you have your top four different, that's totally fine. But I do believe that those should be your top four because when you look at it all, nobody has the resume of those four guys. No. Nobody. Nope. You Not can, a... <laughs> you can play you you have to play the what if game. Those four stand alone. Put them whatever order you want. I wasn't meaning to diss any of those four guys and any of the things that I said. Because just like I just said a second ago, we should just be talking about how great they are. Let's just talk about that. But you, I have to say my reasonings because that's just the reason why I put them where I put them. And then I put Emmett where I put him. And I give you those reasonings because people, you know, they people want reasons. But why do you say that? Why do you say this? How can you say that? How can you say this? These are my reasons. I have way more reasons, but I would hope that People could just see the list and be like, yeah, no, that's a solid list. It's not my list. Cool. Let's have a discussion. But you know what? Hit me up on the Twitter at your rump rump, Damon V. Or hit me up at Jalen HWA. All right, guys. Thanks for joining our multiverse this week. That's yep. it. See you next week. Peace out.